I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of Daredevil. Hey, Damask. Hello. That's a great radio voice. Oh, thank you. It's like one of those old school like radio plays. I could try and do Stan Lee. It's like... Hello, true believers. No, I can't do. I can't do a Stanley Terrible impression. Move. Sorry, I got the I got the words right. What's his <laughs> other one that he says? I don't know. He's got. Oh, what's his What's his phrase? I'm not a nerd. Um. Uh. No, oh, I, I know what it. I know what it is. Yep. I made everything. Is it that? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> the one. I want to say like Bazinga or something like that. It's oh, like definitely Bazinga. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's ah uh, Excelsior. That's the one. <laughs> That's the phrase I was looking for. This is all over the shop. Right? <laughs> so this is our first podcast. This is a terrible start this podcast. <laughs> all right. How am I? I'm going to yeah, answer the yeah, question. Go for it. That'd be good. I am fantastic. We've finished Dead Ella now, so I'm on to Jessica Jones, which I have watched before and I love. Um, and I'm back to listening to one of my favorite podcasts. Which one's that? Hello from the Magic Tavern. Hello is, from the Magic Tavern. Which takes place in a fantasy world um, and it's just a bunch of improv characters, um, improv actors playing characters. So, it's, it's like amazing. D&D without the dice rolling. Pretty much. And they just sit around and chat. It's great. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Um, cool. Excellent. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah. Just forget <laughs> me. Who cares I mean, no me? one cares. So. I'm good. I'm getting ready to go on my own Japan trip um, and moving house and everything's happening at once. It's bullshit. Oh, so your life is... Got some things happening. Oh, it's fucking annoying. Is I what sit it is. in my house when and I'm, stare at the wall. I'm trying to watch 13 hour-long episodes of a television show in a week <laughs> and also move house and get ready for an overseas trip and just work and live and you know yeah. do all those I'm things I'm working as well. seven days a week and trying to watch these shows. I'm like, this is not fun. This is not. At all. What are we thinking? I, what are we this doing? We, we don't idea. get paid for this. We don't this. get paid for this. Hey, if you'd like to pay us for this, please contact yeah. us at huntingseasons at gmail.com. No, I'll, I'll just give you my bank details now. It's BSB. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alright, let's just get into things, shall we? Spoiler warning, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Daredevil. If you've not yet watched Daredevil, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and join us! Otherwise, proceed with caution, spoilers ahead. Was that a you ghost voice? It was, all the, it, was, it was more of a Dracula, I want to suck, suck your blood. blood! Exactly. One uh, season, two season. <laughs> Quick breakdown. Daredevil is a Netflix original action drama series based on the Marvel comic book superhero of the same name. Created by Stan Lee, Excelsior, and Bill Everett, Daredevil made its debut, made his debut 
in Daredevil number one in April of 1964 and continues to be a popular character in the Marvel comic book universe, though not good enough to be an Avenger. Adapting the character to the small <laughs> screen was TV writer Drew Goddard, known for his work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. Angel, Alias, Cloverfield, Lost, The Cabin in the Woods, and Academy Award nominated The Martian. If you can't tell, I'm a bit of a fan of Goddard. Uh, but left the project to write and direct the amazing Spider-Man spin-off Sinister Six, which never made it to production. Oh, that's sad. So he left this production after writing the first two episodes oh. to go and do that film, which because the amazing Spider-Man did so two did so poorly, mm. ended up Sony ended up selling the rights to Spider-Man back to Marvel, so they put him in a uh, what is it called? Civil War, mm. Captain America Civil War. And now there's a completely different Spider-Man reboot happening that has nothing to do with Drew Goddard. Is Drew Goddard working at all in the Marvelverse? Uh, in the Marvelverse. In like the MCU? Uh, as a consultant, not in the MCU, as a consultant on the MTVU, I guess you would call right. it, on the Mnetflix. Yeah, I'm confused. Is like, do we refer to this as part of the MCU? Uh, good question. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so he what? left the pro- okay, yeah. Sorry. No, what? I was going to say. Well, we have to because they mention the the events of what's happened in the MCU. Absolutely, and we will we'll talk about that. Replacing him as showrunner was fellow Buffy alumni Stephen S. Knight. The show stars Charlie Cox, Eldon Henson. What you're shaking your head? Oh, I've never heard that name before. Haven't you? No. R- wrote a bunch of different stuff. He worked on Spartacus as well, and um, yeah, he's got he's got more episodes actually. Buffy and Angel credits. At least Buffy, oh, Buffy and Dollhouse credits, I think, than Goddard does. But Goddard's, oh, okay. but Goddard's better. But Cabin in the Woods makes me know his name. So Yeah, Cabin in the Woods is the Goddard thing for me as well. The show stars Charlie Cox, Eldon Henson, Deborah Ann Wall, Vondi Curtis-Hall, Rosario Dawson, and Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. Season one consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 55 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 45 minutes to watch. You bastard, Netflix. <laughs> you bastard. Before making to TV, just as a side note, Daredevil was also made into a movie... Not connected to the MCU. Classic. In classic two- film. In 2003, starring Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, the film has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 44%. It's really not good. Look, um, I've, I, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it when it came out. Oh. I saw it at the time. I was right into... Like, I saw it when it was on like TV one Saturday night and I had nothing to do. It was like... It was out like in that era sort of just after Spider-Man. Sort yeah. of like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man yeah. made it big. It was 2001. That was You love that stuff. I have never liked Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, but yeah. I like those films despite Tobey Maguire. That's probably the best <laughs> way of putting it. I think Tobey Maguire is a terrible Spider-Man particularly and not a great mm. Peter Parker. He's too old for the role. Um... But but those films are good, particular that one. And I really like one a lot. Mm. Daredevil. It's one of my girlfriend's favorite films. She it's watched great. it a million times over as I a kid. I did yeah. watched it heaps as yeah. well. Um, I, I shouldn't say one of her favorite films, like as a child. Like a childhood, yeah. <laughs> yeah, important film to her at the time. But the Daredevil thing. What I remember about Daredevil is like in the movie is that all of a sudden, like without any connection, Daredevil just shows up at the Kingpin's. Like thing, it's like, how the fuck did he go- get? Why is he here? He doesn't know anything about what's going on yet. No one's told him anything. Um, apparently, there's a director's cut I have that's heard, way better, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised. I think there's an okay film in there. It's just they cut mm. like the bones out of this film. Yeah, so. I, f- I found that out when I was listening to another podca- podcast, which is one of my 
favorite podcast and got me actually into podcasts is How Did This Get Made? Right. They do a great episode about that. I think I may have, I may have listened to that one. I should give another listen, actually. It's very... Oh, I, oh, you can't. You know why? Why? Because they it, make you pay for the old oh, episodes. Oh, is, is it behind... It makes me so Paywalls sad. now? Yeah. So is Mark Maron's stuff. I linked to the Mark... In, a pre, mm. in an episode of Louis that's coming out or just came out yeah. that we did, I linked to the Mark Maron's website because I couldn't link to the actual episodes with Louis on them Yeah. because they're behind a paywall. We'll be that big one day. We can make... <laughs> People won't be able to access this podcast I, without paying. I don't want to do that, though. I think that's a bit shit, personally. I agree. I agree. Just get sponsors, baby. Mm-hmm. Damas, could you give us a short synopsis? No, it doesn't have to be short. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is we've been recording for 10 minutes of nonsense so far, so <laughs> do whatever you want. All right. I'll just go with what I feel. So, I'm going to do an interpretive dance. Um, so, I'll just get Broad to narrate what I'm doing with my body. All right. Here we go. Damas starts by moving her hands around, gyrating in an odd fashion. She bobs her head back and forth, a little bit of a thumb action, flapping like a bird. This is this is terrible, please. <laughs> All right, here's my rundown. You ready? God. <laughs> Daredevil season one rundown. All right, two young lawyers start their own practice to fight against injustice. Except one of these guys is not like the other. He's a blind fellow that uses his heightened senses to fight crime at night wearing a mask. Ever since his dad died and he was adopted by a mysterious blind ninja, Matt Murdock has craved a vigilante life. He's had enough of evil people infecting his neighbourhood, Hell's Kitchen. Matt's crime-fighting ways find direction when he comes across a young woman called Karen, who is on the kill list of some evil developers taking over Hell's Kitchen. Both Matt and his best friend Foggy fight for Karen's rights and eventually hire her as their receptionist. The trio band together to take down the developers that have no qualms with killing everyone that stands in their way. Meanwhile, tales of a masked man fighting crime fill the streets of Hell's Kitchen. Is he a baddie or an ally? That's for Karen and Foggy to figure out. Karen comes across an old-school journalist known for his articles that expose corruption, and she utilises his skills to help solve the case of who exactly is behind the crimes taking over the city. And so, Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, enters the ring. He has the Russians, the Chinese, the Yakuza, and the financial district in his basket of deplorables, taking their respective talents to take over the town. Eventually, though, his demands for results creates divisions in his band of thugs and the Russians fight back. This results in half the neighbourhood going up in flames, not only destroying the Russian stronghold, but also framing that pesky masked man who seems to be disrupting Fisk's plans for domination. With Matt Murdock getting beaten to a bloody pulp in between court appearances, Foggy finally learns that his best friend has some hidden talents. And Foggy's certainly feeling betrayed, and so the friendship and law firm begin to fall apart. Karen, dismayed at her two new friends' diminishing relationship, struggles to keep the investigation of Fisk alive. But she manages to locate Fisk's mother and convinces Ben, the journalist, to accompany her to a nursing home to find out more about their foe. They discover that Fisk has been violent from a young age, having killed his father many years ago. And in turn, Wilson Fisk discovers that his mother has been contacted by Ben and murders him. This is the last straw for Matt and he dons a new fancy suit and his transformation into Daredevil is complete. Fisk on his way to the top has wronged one too many people, one of those being a corrupt cop. Foggy, using his sexual wiles, is able to get this information from his ex-girlfriend and Daredevil hunts the man down to force him to indict Fisk as well as his whole web of corruption. Fisk is arrested 
then breaks free, then fights Daredevil who wins, and finally Fisk is behind bars. Yay! That's the end. Very nice, very nice. Thank you so much. I just had a theory about why we're so like, like, brav- like so much bravado in our announcements and stuff today. I think it's because we're watching Glow. It's because we're watching <laughs> wrestling. We're just become like exactly there's a mic why. sitting in front of us. So like, yeah. let's get ready to, to rumble. rumble. Yeah, it's actually yeah. copyrighted. We can't say that without having to pay for it. It's like happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Really I recently annoying. watched a uh, like a B grade horror movie that's pretty good. It's actually quite good up until a, a point. Anyway, they like uh, it's they're there for someone's birthday, and the guy's like, "Oh, can we can we just not do happy like sing happy birthday?" I'm like, "I know why they put that in the script." <laughs> you know, that's not, I think that's uh, the rights for that are fine now. I think anyone can it, use it now. Is it okay? I think now? yeah, as of maybe last year, the year before, Ooh. it's now I think you can use. It's public Breaking domain now. News. Yeah, All no, right, I'm going to put that in every scene I write <laughs> every in the future. Scene. I love that one in Community where it's like just the episode starts. To you. <laughs> and then they're like, isn't it really weird? We only sing the last two words. Anyway. That's great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, though, this is our Daredevil. Why do we decide to watch and talk about Daredevil? Because um, the Defenders is coming out. We want more listeners. <laughs> basically. I mean, in a way, that's true. It's the hot thing, you know, Defenders yeah. are coming out. But also, you and I are obsessed with the MCU. Love we the Marvel love Cinematic it. Universe. Absolutely love it. I have seen season one of Daredevil and Jessica Jones before. Um, and I have raved to you many a time about Jessica Jones. So, mm-hmm. I think this is like the first step. Well, it's important to, to get this. So, the way it works is you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Started with Iron Man in 2008 or nine or whatever it was. With the first sort of in that. From there, we've got the Hulk and Thor and Captain America and blah, blah, blah. And the Avengers and the 80 hundred other Marvels. 80 hundred. <laughs> 80 hundred and three pence. Yeah. <laughs> so, however many films we got. But in amongst that, around about the time of the Avengers or... Uh, no, actually, just after the Avengers, just around the, about the time of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, mm. we got the first Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show in the Agents of Shield, Agents of Shield mm. which is a uh, is it ABC or Fox? It's ABC. ABC, um, which is sort of an well, when it started anyway, a bit of an episode of the week like mm. procedural. Have you watched that? Well, I was going to say I've watched fits and starts of season one. Mm-hmm. It started off rough. real rough, <laughs> real rough, and then I left it and came back when basically the events of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, actually directly affected the plot of that show. Mm. And the show instantly got better. Right. Instantly was way better. Like they'd spent their whole season, because it wasn't until towards the end of the season, that whole season building up to that moment, mm. holding back plot. And then they got quite good at the end. Yeah. And then I never got around to actually watching season two though. And I'm yeah, way behind right. now. But, but the thing is, a lot of people apparently, apparently the show's quite good. Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield is apparently really I've good. Watched it up until the point in which Agent Carter, like you should like watch a point of Agents of Shield and then start watching Agents of Carter. Right. And I didn't 
go into Agent Carter. Not because I didn't want to. I just kind of like other things got in the way. Yeah. So, I think I've watched maybe a season and a half I think or maybe about, more. I think about halfway yeah. into season two by the sounds of it. Because there was like a break they took and then they had like this mini season of Agent mm. Carter. I think there was a second one of those as well. Yeah. So, you've got your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and your Agent Carter. And that's telling a storyline that theoretically runs parallel to what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and that's pretty stock standard sort of TV... Oh, it's definitely a network, sh- like network, they're network show. shows, and you can tell. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the connection between the two gets debated a lot. Like, it was at mm, first, okay. they tried really hard to make at least the movies would affect the TV show, but the TV shows never seem to affect the movies in any yeah. way. <laughs> You're never going to see any of these TV characters make their way into the movies. That's what always made me kind of like, I guess, really think less of those TV shows because you knew that. The big players were never going to come on. There were like there were moments in in a, like I think Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury has been on the show a couple of times. As has right. Maria Hill, played by Kobe Smulders. Who's oh yeah, also, I've definitely seen her. Like they, some of the Shield people have mm. made onto the show, but like Coulson, never going to see who, who's the lead one. character of Agents of Shield, mm. comes directly from the MCU, but has never gone back into the MCU. Yeah. Partly because they think he's dead. That's not what I mean by like main players though. You know? Right. You're never I mean, going to get Fury, it. I sure. Yeah. And I haven't seen those episodes, I don't think. Even in season one, he's got a couple. Is he? Yeah. Is he in it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I must have blocked it. I out. think even episode one or two, he's in it. Really? Like real early on, there's a Nick Fury cameo. And then I think a couple more towards the end of that season. Right. Sorry, it's been years since I watched it. True. Mm. Um, but the point, but it never goes the opposite way. Yeah. Like you're never right. going to get any of those characters Going up God, back I would MCU. love to see Jessica Jones hang out with the Avengers. Right. <laughs> so, this is sort of the idea of it, right? But Kevin mm. Feige or Kevin... I think it's Feige is the way you pronounce his name. He's, oh, I thought it was Feige. It might be Feige. I, I could be know. wrong. I don't know. He's the sort of the overall, like, the um, architect of the, the Marvel master. MCU. Yeah. Mm. He's, the, he's the brain that controls it all. And he is really hesitant to even suggest that the two are that connected anymore. He doesn't... He sort of feels they're pretty separate now. Well, you don't want it to get too unwieldy, do you? Not like comic books often do. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem that comic books face. And we, it's it's re- the whole MCU thing is fascinating. And it's still staggering to me that it, it actually so works at all. It is so exciting to me. That it actually works at all is ridiculous. The fact that like the MCU has turned film, movies into, into like serialized like storytelling. Yeah. It's so exciting to me. My only, the only problem is with it, success comes imitators. And so far, the imitators have been shit. What are, what are you referring to? Well, there's the DC version, the DC oh, yeah, right. or whatever you want to call it, um, which their first two entries suck. Um, but, uh, no, what was the first one? Superman, Retu- Superman, Man, Man of Steel. Steel. Thank you. And then Batman vs. Superman, mm. Dawn of was Bullshit. The, was there not a second Superman in there? There hasn't been, no. I mean, oh, theoretically, I Batman vs. Superman should be the sequel I film. I mean, Man, Man of Steel felt like two films put together that, and I didn't want to watch either of them. It was <laughs> awful. Um, I, I think that film's got its moments, but overall, it just like misses the mark on Superman. Anyway. I felt cold watching the whole film. Part of the problem. I think they're I missing the point. I thought I was getting ill. I was like, oh, no, I just don't like it. Without getting to a massive critique of why the DCU <laughs> has sucked compared to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they just don't seem to... Um, my big... if I'll put it down to one thing. The thing that, DC, that Marvel have done right is they set up their characters at a base level that is their characters and they build from there. So, you get Iron Man, you get Captain America, you get Thor. Where they should be recognizably them, mm-hmm. they make them faithfully and they make them, they get cast great, and they're not all spectacular, that they're at least decent, mm-hmm. every single one of them. 
Um, and then there's some, some spectacular ones and they build from there. The DC tried to get ahead of that. They tried to get to the Justice League in two movies and they tried to make Batman and Superman, or particularly Superman, dark and gritty from the beginning. Can't start there. Superman is not inherently dark and gritty. Mm. Build to that. You can get you can get there. That's an interesting story. Yeah, but it has to be Superman see, like, first. Plot points or character moments like, oh, this would have been great if I knew this person. Yeah. <laughs> if I got to know them over like a film or two. Yeah. And then they reach this point because of humanity or circumstance or whatever it might be. Yeah. They put some of their best story beats in the first two films. That's a shame. The death of Superman, one of the biggest events <laughs> ever. Spoilers for Batman vs. Superman, but who cares? Um, one of the biggest events ever in the DC comic mm. book universe happens in the second film in that franchise and, they and is undone at the end of it. They immediately take it back. Fucking dickheads. <laughs> anyway, Wonder Woman was great. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the point being from... So, you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you've got the TV Universe... And then you've got this Netflix universe, which was announced. Mm. And with that, we've been able to get a bunch of characters who maybe could have had a movie, but would have felt like there were sort of the small players next to your Thors and your Captain mm. Americas and your Iron Man and stuff like that. I think that. this was such a smart decision Brilliant. on the part of Marvel. I think it's a great way to do it. They're also able to get a little bit grittier and stuff Well, this with is it. before we had our Deadpool, where people would be like, oh, we're... R18 plus or whatever your standard is, whatever country you live in, um, superhero film. They just, they weren't being made. And so the way to- They have been made, but they've never been super profitable or- What was it pre-Deadpool? Was there a- Just like a Blade or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, You right. know, there are films out there yeah, that were okay. made. A different era, isn't right. it? Right. But thinking of like Marvel and that, you'd be like, oh, no, no, no. They no. don't do that. Blade is Marvel too, though. But yes, but not MCU. Yeah. Um. And so, I think this is a great way to do it. One, it's not on a, a network. Yeah. So, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. And mm-hmm. two, like, you don't have to worry about these characters not sustaining people's interest for a film when you really need those big box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Instead, make a show that they can stream either a slow burn or just smash it out and get to know one, either characters they don't know at all. I my only experience of Daredevil was the Ben Affleck film. Right. I'd never heard of Jessica Jones before. I'd never heard of Luke Cage before. I'd never heard of Iron Fist before. Um, and this is a great way for someone like me to get to know them. Right. Because I probably wouldn't have gone to a film about Daredevil. It might about Jessica Jones because a female superhero. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably not about Iron Fist. Probably not Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without getting too deep into all that stuff, the point is not only are they making these shows about these sort of C-tier heroes, they've chosen really good ones that are street level, Mm -hmm. that can be gritty, that can be a little bit more lesser or more human or more Mm. sort of down to earth in some ways. Daredevil's got powers, but they're not like, he's not fucking shooting lasers out of his hands. He's not a god, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's not that level. Um, They're very much Mm. inbuilt to like street level crime and stuff like that. These are really about people, just normal everyday people trying to figure out what it means to have powers. But not only are they doing that, they... After Daredevil's success, they went, let's make Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist and make The Defenders, which is like mm-hmm. an alternate, grittier, street-level version of The Avengers, which The Avengers is fucking great. Yeah. So, The Defenders is like, awesome. Let's see that. Let's see MCU happen on a TV level. 
how cool is that? That's and such still a cool idea. theoretically be in the same fucking universe as <laughs> those other films. Even yeah. if they don't cross over heaps, they they do reference history. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. When it comes to Daredevil specifically, I'll talk about the other characters when we get to them and what I know about them. Daredevil, I've known about for a very long time. I've never I have read some comics. Like in general, I've read. I've, I'm a comic book reader a little bit. Yeah, Daredevil's You're a big nev- fan of the Runaways and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, they're especially Marvel. I've read mm. reasonable. Mm-hmm. I've I'm definitely an amateur, but I've read some level of comic books in in the Marvel universe. Uh, Daredevil was not a character I've ever read, really, not that I can remember. But I was aware of him. He was a big enough. He especially because he's set in New York. Um, because he has some powers, he often gets paired up with Spider-Man. Mm. So, they're like Spider-Man video games and stuff. And Spider-Man, everyone knows fucking Spider-Man. But there was the movie, obviously, with Ben Affleck. One and my, then Sorry, one of my first video games was Spider-Man on the Sega. On the Sega. It was so much fun. Yeah, anyway, right. go on. <laughs> the, that's Sega for anyone who isn't a stupid Australian. Shut we say up. it wrong. We just do say it wrong. I It says that. at the start when you start up, Sega. Anyway, the... <laughs> um, and he was in, he had like cameo appearances in the Spider-Man PS1 game and those sorts of things, as did Black Cat and other characters within that universe. Um, so, I was aware of him that way. And then, I don't know if you know this, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a parody yeah, of I did know Daredevil. That, yeah. It's so hilarious that they are like <laughs> a Stick huge- When turns up, you're like, oh yeah, that's- Splinter. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing there. <laughs> that's the same- ooze that gives him his powers is meant to be the ooze that like so fucking hilarious (laughs) but like they were meant just as a parody to begin with and then now they're their whole own other franchise fucking hilarious Michael Bay presents Mm. yeah I haven't (laughs) actually seen those movies I haven't either I can't actually judge them because I haven't seen them for my for myself but Daredevil I've always known to be cool I like the idea of him being blind but sort of that heightening the rest of his powers and what with yeah him having extra heightened senses and how that makes him powerful is a cool idea Mm. I've always liked that the lawyer also the lawyer superhero is an interesting idea that's the basic background I'm trying to think of what I was watching or listening to the other day and they were talking about Daredevil and they're doing an impression of Stan Lee and just being like, <laughs> no, Excelsior. no, it wasn't you. And just being like, oh, justice is blind. A blind superhero. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, that, that works. That totally. Works. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> how that went down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the general reason we wanted to talk about these is just that with the MCU being as big as it, big as it is, with Defenders coming, which is a bit of an event happening, let's actually watch these shows properly and, and talk about them because theoretically they could be huge. Mm-hmm. So- now we've got through all of that. We have watched Daredevil season one. What are our general thoughts? Do you want me, you want me to go first, don't you? I, you? I don't mind. You go first. Okay. I think it is a great first step in bringing the MCU into TV in a grittier, more human kind of way of storytelling. Do I think it's... I think that's what it's trying to strive for. It's that like... Something relatable in some way. Um, do I think it is always successful at that? No, I don't. There are parts that I really like and there are parts that I'm like, oh, that's really 2D and I, I'm not affected by it at all. And that makes me angry because my expectation for anything that Marvel brings out is really high. So sometimes it's great. Sometimes it 
really fall short. And so I'm in this murky middle ground. And I'm not sure because I've already seen Jessica Jones and spoiler, I fucking love it. I think mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah, I'm re-watching this. I'm like, oh, comparatively, it's it just it does fall short for me. But there are some good moments in there. What are your general thoughts? Um, pretty similar, even without seeing Jessica Jones. Mm. I ultimately, ultimately came away pretty, not pretty, a bit underwhelmed. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. It has its moments. I like some of its ideas. Mm-hmm. I like some of its themes. I like some of its points of difference from the MCU, mm-hmm. which is something I want to talk about. Um, and sometimes its execution is really impressive, especially for TV at the time. Um, but the ultimately it just doesn't come together in a satisfying mm. way. Yeah. Um, I think it knows what it wants to be. Like I, it, it, there's a really clear blueprint or there's, I see so many other things I've seen before that it's trying to imitate. It's got this idea Ooh, of what it wants to be. that's a big part of, yeah. My uh, I, I can it. see where it's mm-hmm. going for. Like it's really obvious, but yeah. it can't quite get there or doesn't know how to. You can see like the outlines of some things either we've seen before Mm. or we expect. Yeah. Um, But the detail within those outlines, it's just not well done. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's just like the connective tissue to make that Mm. really work isn't there. And it makes it feel dated. Like I actually think that maybe if this show came out five or 10 years earlier, it would be fucking sensational and revolutionary. Yeah. It would be compared to some of the greats, but it's timing is bad. And maybe I know it's a few years old. It's not that old, a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's timing is unfortunate when I'm watching like game of Thrones and breaking bad Mm. and all this sort of stuff. And, Honestly, even without spoiling too much, because we're going to talk about this later date, I'm watching Glow right now, mm. and it has a similar. I mean, they're completely different shows, but one of the things I'm talking about is that, and I want to get to, is that this has this family unit thing it's trying mm-hmm. to go for with its three leads. That like Glow, as an example, does fucking effortlessly yep. with effortlessly. I care about everyone in that show. Well, that thing, I think you and I, 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 I'm assuming would agree on this, and I think I'm right when I say that. Character drives story. Absolutely. And so you really, we really need to know and feel these people. And even though you might have these, you know, big themes and like darkness and grittiness, if I don't care about these people, if I don't know who they are, at least in some way, it really affects the effectiveness of the story. And I think Daredevil falls short sometimes in that in that regard. Because it's funny that you say like the character. Detail and backstory and stuff is the important thing. I think that's all there. Like, oh, I like, don't. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's all. there as it, but it's like it's presented. Like, it's, it would be like me reading it off the page or reading it it as a like summary or a through? synopsis or something like that. Maybe mm. the thing is, I think all those details are there. They're just not executed either in just just not, the execution isn't there to actually make it work. So, like. Like I, all the details mm. that you need to know about what makes Matt Murdock who he is and his friendship with Foggy and they're like, I like for the most part, the episode where it's like, I think it's called Nelson versus Murdock, which is their yeah, sort of is, one, yeah. um, which is the one where Nelson find, um, um, Foggy finds out about mm. um, Matt being Daredevil. 
Like, I like it in theory more than I like an execution. That's a good episode. You need to have that confrontation episode. And I like the idea of them sitting in a room and just like trying to hash it out. And I think all the details are kind of there to make that work. The flashback and stuff is there. But for some reason, on a basic execution level, it's missing its mark. It like, again, it knows, it can see its target. It knows what it's going for. Mm. It's trying to emulate a million other things that have done it before. And it just can't hit that target though. Yeah, I think when I say character and it, it, this this thing that I'm talking about, it is a morphing of script, performance and direction. Sure. Yeah, now this I agree And with. I think the script oftentimes falls short. Absolutely. I think the performance oftentimes falls short. Absolutely. And the direction sometimes falls short. I would say oftentimes, oftentimes as well. Oftentimes, all right. I would say oftentimes enough. I would. I agree with all of those. Yeah. I think, again, it just it, it comes down to basic execution. Ideas are there. Mm. The fucking bones of it are there, but it never got further than the bones. It's the it's the base material that needs to be built on top mm-hmm. of. Yeah. I've got a theory about what happened there, Ooh. but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, let's get into some more specific discussion points. First and foremost... Uh, I just want to talk about the tone of this show and how it sets itself apart from the MCU. We've sort of talked about this. Mm. This show is fucking gritty with a capital grit. Like (laughs) a point, it's violent. It's graphically violent Mm. at times. And obviously a little bit more down to earth um, because it's street level, because it's all set just in a very particular part of of a of a city. It's not even a whole city. It's just mm. Hell's Kitchen in New York City, which I find really cute, actually. <laughs> like the idea. He just wants a little neighborhood. Yeah, if they never talk yeah, about Wilson it being Fisk New York. Like, I want Thirty Fifth Street to Forty Third. That's all I want. Yeah, like it's so specific. So specific. <laughs> I lo- I love yeah. that it's never New York City. It's not even Manhattan. Just it's fucking Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah, it's very funny. Just west of Midtown, baby. That's <laughs> that's all he wants. Um, but yeah, the. The grit, the the like the graphic violence is a real big part of it. It's just something that we've not been able to do in the MCU at all up to this mm. point. It's like um, you feel every punch. You're like, oh, jeez, I can actually. It looks well. It, I mean, there's like ninja moves and stuff. Yeah, but it's pretty brutal. It's pretty grounded. I mean, it, it's the blood. Like when Fisk kills that guy, decapitates him in the door frame. Ooh, yes, blood fucking everywhere. Mm. When I can't remember the guy's name, but the one that. Murdoch was like defending and he wants to get Fisk's name out. And he says, it's Fisk, tells him Fisk's name. And then he shoves his face onto a jagged piece of metal. Brains himself Mm. on that fucking spike. That is dark as shit. Yeah. You will never see that in an MCU (laughs) movie ever. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that we can have that. It's, Mm -hmm. um, It's even a little bit of ahead of its time in terms of, not MCU, it's not part of the MCU, but a Marvel related movie is Logan. Which mm-hmm. came out this year, which is like that X Men series has been going since I think two thousand or nineteen ninety nine or something like that. It's been going forever. Hugh Jackman has been Wolverine for the longest time. I swear, I was like fourteen going to the movies and seeing the second one. It was something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was before Spider Man. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Ninety nine percent sure it was before Spider Man. I think so. <laughs> Maybe right. not. Uh, it's around that time. If it wasn't beforehand, mm. though. Uh, that's been going forever. Hugh Jackman has been playing Wolverine for fucking ever. And he's always had bloodless claws. And now that movie starts and he the first his first word is like fuck. And then he starts just like sp- 
claws through heads, blood everywhere. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool that Daredevil <laughs> was able to do that and bring that to the MCU. Mm. Um, so I like that. What did you think about? Did you, do you appreciate the grid? Is that something that you like or, or does anything for you? Look, not really. Generally, when an action sequence is taking place, I'm oftentimes checked out. I, I don't – I mean, it's mm, – what affected me more was the aftermath of these fights in which we see Matt Murdock just completely blue and bloodied and just destroyed by them. That affected me more than seeing like, oh, cool, he punched a guy in the face and then blood went everywhere. Like that doesn't like it. I agree that it's cool that it paved the way for things in the future so we can tell a more realistically violent story i mm. guess but the actual action sequences the violence it doesn't i mean i don't super care about that unless it serves the story sure which it does when i see that he's you know actually it, a normal person and trying to like do the right thing and it's destroying his body it's a it's a big part of the show is that Matt just gets the shit kicked out of him <laughs> constantly he's constantly getting stitched up yeah. or you know, got has bruises he's trying to cover. He's like lost half his face. He's like, oh, I just ran into a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, but it's okay. He'll just meditate and he'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. Meditation will cure all wounds. Absolutely. That's science, people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. It's it's gritty for the sake of being gritty a lot of the time. Mm. You're right. It does. Well, yeah, definitely serves Matt's story in some ways. They they deliberately make sure that that the consequences of his fighting and him being just a man are there. And so having it be a bit more gritty and violent definitely serves that. But it isn't enough to make me love the show. It's a good point of contention. It's a good selling point to maybe what like investigate this show Mm. and go, oh, this is a, you know, this is, it's a part, not just from the MCU, but from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Yeah. It's cool to go, oh, cool. This is like a grittier R-rated version of the Mm. MCU, but it's only, it only goes so far. Because I, I remember a big selling point, a big marketing push um, when this show was coming out or was just released was, I think it's in the second episode, that one shot hallway thing. Yep. That was a big selling point. That this like one shot action sequence that was like, unlike a lot of things that we had seen on TV before, they were doing fight scenes differently. It was really hardcore and when I was telling a girl I work with that I was doing Daredevil, she's like, oh, you've got to be talking about that scene. I'm like, I don't really care about that scene. I mean, it's cool, but ultimately, as we talk about a season as a whole, it's not a big moment, narratively speaking. Yeah. It feeds into my conspiracy theory a little bit that I'll Ooh. get to at the end of this. But I think that scene is spectacular for mm. what it is. Mm. Um, and it was definitely... I think Something it impressed me more the television. first time I'd watched it. Well, I mean, the thing is as well, we've been spoiled since then. Yeah, like, over two years since, we've had the fucking Battle of the Bastards on mm. Game of Thrones. That is, like... The, that episode that makes scene. you fully erect. That episode is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's unparalleled. I mean, it helps that HBO has more money than God, and it helps that that show is the most popular thing since the fucking Beatles. Mm. But the... 
what? Yeah, it was interesting because yeah, Daredevil. That scene in particular was being compared to like it's like cinematic worthy mm-hmm. fight scenes, the sort of thing you would see in like a in like a kung fu movie, mm. like a real a, a good kung fu movie. The Battle of the Bastards legitimately rivals the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like it is in some ways more impressive than like the Minas Tirith stuff in Return of the King. Mm. And that's not, it's I'm like not fucking joking. That is so good. Lord of the Rings met Saving Private Ryan. It's, oh. like, it's just like an amalgamation of those two things. Like, oh my God. There, I'm, I'm watching that. Everywhere. I'm pretty sure we watched that together. Yeah, we episode. did. That, yeah. There's that one shot with John and the horses coming towards him. But I will <laughs> never, ever forget just going, this is fucking television. This is television now. It wasn't that long ago this was still in four by fucking three. Like that was the format just this was in. Just remember like- Buffy, yes. the mayor, like when he turns into that evil being. Oh, like, yeah. I remember that and then look at an episode of Game of Thrones. It's pretty incredible how far we've come. Something I want to get to, though, if we're talking about the violence, that scene is super impressive. However, I think it actually falls into this Buffy-esque type of fighting, kind of cheesy, not particularly well shot, mm. fighting a lot as well. For that one great scene... That's choreographed great and shot really interestingly with that one long take in the hallway. There's this scene, there's this fight scene with Fisk at the end that's really super lame. The the very final. The very final one. Right. Or it's just not dynamic or interesting. It's shot in the most totally lazy and obvious ways. Mm. And like that is like accentuated by the last shot of the of the whole season, which is this dumb scene where he like he's got somebody's got to save, so he takes his sticks out and then like jumps into the air and freeze frames. I'm like that. It looks so dorky. Well, it there, did set dead set looks like Buffy from 1999. Yeah, well, there were a few moments like that that just I just laughed out loud. Where particularly when yeah. his um Fisk has blown up all the Russian strongholds or whatever all the buildings and. Matt Murdock is with the Russian guy that survived and they're like in that underground bit and the yeah. Russian's guy like, I am going to stay here and shoot everybody. And he starts singing. And, <laughs> no, not even that. And then Matt's like, okay, cool. I'll leave you here. And then he goes, ah! And then just does some random spin kick to open, open the door. door. I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that yes. is such a weird moment. Yes. It's a Buffy thing to do. It's, it's so the sort dumb. of thing you'd see in Buffy. It's, so it's, a little, it's a little roll and then a weird yeah. kick. Yeah, You can't have both of those things happening because one undercuts the other. So this is the problem with trying to set up an expectation with mm. those sort of like, you can have that wonderful long hallway scene, but if you can't sustain that sort of mm. polish, that sort of uh, action, and that's that's hard to do. Like that's hard enough to do in a one, two hour movie is make all the action feel fresh and dynamic and fun. To do it over 13 hours and, like, there's going to be at least a dozen fight scenes in this show. There's got to be at least one per episode, right? I would assume so, yeah. It, Definitely, yeah. It really quickly, for me, just sort of becomes pretty meh, Yeah. the fighting. Mm-hmm. So, that so that can't sustain you. No, absolutely not. So, the greediness gets you in. It's a great point of contention. It's great that it's, like, realistic fighting, theoretically. At least you see the consequences of it. But then action isn't going to be the thing that sustains me. Something else needs to, and that has to be the characters, which is what the point I want to get to now is this idea of (laughs) the family, which I think is what the heart of this show, quote-unquote, comes, is around Matt and Foggy and Karen. And to some extent, you might even include 
Claire and Ben. Though Mm. Ben seems to be really more attached to Karen Karen and Claire really pretty much exclusively attached to Matt. Mm -hmm. But so you've got that family unit of those three and they talk about their like, there's so many scenes where they're like just being cute, like figuring out a case and like talking about their shitty little office and which is actually an impressively large office. (laughs) I love that. As well is just the way, like the excuse for why. Oh, the incident has made everything. The cheap. incident, which is a great little reference <laughs> yeah, to, course, like the Battle of New York from the Avengers. There's destruction that made all the property really affordable, apparently. And then the other one is um, Matt Murdock's apartment, which is a beautiful, like loft. Yeah. In front of a giant neon billboard. Giant neon <laughs> sign, which has this great effect in that episode of like the purple like mm, rippling through the- And you never see it again. It's never seen again. <laughs> it's never an issue ever like, again. Oh, I guess they've taken down that sign. <laughs> yeah. Hope his rent doesn't go up. Mm. Exactly, yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, so you're left with these scenes of yeah, them being all cute about their uh, law firm and- Karen's like, oh, this is how it should be, you know? This oh, is- I wrote that line down specifically. Yeah. yeah, just like, and trying to convince me like that these three are this Aren't perfect, beautiful thing? family. Isn't this really happening? Aren't we really connecting? Don't we have great chemistry? The answer is no. No, it's no, the isn't it? The answer is no. It's no, right? Definitively no. And it's, again, this is another example of them. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do a Buffy. They're trying to do a Serenity. And I'll use Joss Whedon as the best example of this because he's done it in these sort of format action, supernatural type things with a family of people, Mm -hmm. these friends that become family. He's one of the greats at this. Um, And like God knows that Drew Goddard and Stephen S. Knight know that stuff too. Mm Yeah. but yeah, boy, does it ever fucking fail. <laughs> a lot of times when I was listening to the dialogue and watching the performances, I was like, it feels like this is written by someone who studied at the school of Whedon. They did. That's exactly yeah, what happened though. It's like, but, and you can do that like really quippy dialogue, but you can't teach charm. And yeah. either you've got it or you don't. And if you don't, it comes off really trite. Do you think there's a particular... Because, okay, so we've already talked about that it can be the writing, it can be the performances, it can be the direction. Do you think it's a failure of all three or do you think it's a particular... Mostly writing and performance. Okay. I agree. I think it's the writing mainly. Mm-hmm. I think the writing... So is- many like lines I've written down and be like, how dare you? I, I need you to go through so that bad. list later. Like there is... Because I think there's heaps as well, but I didn't take a heap of notes as I was watching. I was trying to, again, mm. there's a lot of like trying to watch this on my iPhone once I go between different places and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, there are just heaps of like, oh, this is a little cute line, but not earned. You're trying to force this down my throat. I think I, I struggle a little bit with like, I think I like Karen. I think she's okay. Why do you like Karen? I, she's can be at times charming and, cute and like she's watchable right how is she charming or cute i don't know she's just again i I agree i agree with what you're (laughs) gonna say here i agree with you that there's not enough to her um yeah no actually no i think you've solidified that i think you're exactly right you're exactly right what about foggy how do you feel about foggy okay here's the problem their (laughs) pairing that they're trying to do at the beginning just is not there no it just doesn't Doesn't work. work and so you've got these long scenes of them in a bar with well, her Well, that's being the drunk. thing. We have these exciting scenes with like, 
the Russians and Daredevil and all this stuff is happening. Cut to Karen and Foggy having the lamest conversation, being like oozing charm in a way that makes you uncomfortable. It doesn't make you feel warm. It doesn't feel you, make you feel connected. It makes you go, oh, this is bad. This does not feel natural. You know what's missing? That something like Buffy gets away with, which I think is why it helps work. It's really heightened dialogue, but it's often extremely self-aware. Mm-hmm. And there's no self-awareness in the dialogue. It is written to make Foggy seem like he's super charming and funny and like a fucking com- com- a comic. You know what I mean? Like he, his yeah. line and dialogue and enthusiasm and stuff is meant to be charming. But there's no self-awareness that it, when it's not working. Yeah. Um, that it just comes across as super lame and corny and shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that just that does not work. Yeah. It's like everyone is always being their best selves and that's not yes. interesting to me at all. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Show like, me some like real true vulnerability, some like insecurity that isn't like, oh, I'm insecure and so that makes me more charming. It'd just be like, oh, I'm kind of fucked or uh, like – like Karen is, oh, I'm really upset, but I'll look beautiful while I'm crying and I'll always have tears in my eyes. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, sorry, not interested in that. Well, I think we eventually get to a place that I was interested in with Karen. When she kills Wesley and like that moment. Yes, the one moment I'm like, oh, fuck Karen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Interesting. Yes. Like you've made a mistake thinking that I haven't killed a man before. Oh, yes, yeah, show me more of that. Yeah. Give me some like. Something to like grab onto, yeah. like oh yeah, that you, moment I really like. You've got something to add to this. You've got you've got your own you know, real true yeah. story to tell. Yeah. Fucking yes, yeah. But we don't see enough of that, and so well, it happens way too late. And that's the thing. And up until that point, it's mostly just been these cheesy scenes with Foggy, who is another cheesy character, and it's just. I think a mistake is the fact that Karen actually didn't kill that guy in the in the first episode when they find her. And she's got the knife and she says she didn't do it. Mm. It probably would have been better if she did. She had plenty of reasons to, in self-defense, kill somebody. Yeah. Right? Um, If she'd actually been a murderer, that would have probably been more interesting for her. Mm -hmm. Especially when we've got this whole season of Matt struggling with the idea that he has to kill someone. Being very Aang, I might add. Like, the whole problem that Aang has in The Last Airbender is he doesn't want to kill the Fire Lord. And Matt Murdock is exactly the same scenario. I feel like we've seen things like that before where superheroes just can't kill people. Oh, that's true. And they have to deal with that dilemma, yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's like, that is a core part of the entire thing. It's his Mm. constant struggle with that. Even though, I got to tell you, there's a bunch of times he's actually murdered people. Like, there is no way when he chucks a freaking fire extinguisher (laughs) down a stairwell and it brains them that they are not dead. What I find... There's blood sometimes oozing from his hel- head. Yeah, sometimes hilarious is when he's doing these incredibly dangerous things and hurting people. I'm like, I'm sorry. I get that you have super senses, but there's no way that you could have guaranteed that that person wouldn't have died. You're just very lucky that they did it. Which is often what happens is like, like Claire will be like, is he okay? And he'll stop and like use his super senses and go, he'll live. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't know that yeah, before you, you, you did it. Yeah, you had to check. Yeah, you had to be... You weren't sure. Yeah. You, there was no confidence there. <laughs> you checked his pulse. Mm, I'm getting a second opinion on that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, what about what about Matt? What Do you think he is charming? Do you think... Uh, it's interesting because so many times it was like Matt, Foggy and Karen. I'm like, oh, I can't stand Matt. Mm-hmm. But when we've got Matt and Claire, I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. I like this. Totally. I like Matt. I think he's engaging and interesting and charming. And there's a depth there. 
so I think he can really work when paired with the right character and the right actress. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I think Charlie Cox, I'm not, have you seen Charlie Cox in anything else? Like, I'm not really aware He's of his previous Stardust. work. Oh, is he? Which yeah. I need to see. <laughs> um, I think he is extremely charming. I've got to tell you, I identify as a straight man. I do. I think his little smile is pretty freaking charming. Like, that's pretty cute. <laughs> that's a pretty cute smile. I can see the he appeal does have there. A cute smile. When he's got I his, like, that. blind glasses on, he's just got, yeah, it's pretty cute. As a gay woman, I'd definitely be his friend. <laughs> yeah, you'd be his friend. <laughs> I'd um, have a beer with him, sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's there. It's just then he gets paired up with Foggy, who's trying too hard to be. And he has to laugh at whatever. Foggy's jokes, which yeah. are not funny. Yeah, like, oh, and he is trying hard. I don't think it's Charlie Cox's fault. No, it's definitely not. Not in when it's not working. Because it does work with other characters. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. Um, why? What is. Yeah. We never came. Did we come to the solution? It's a mixture of the writing, the characters just aren't. They I are think the performances. The writing is so it's weird because you like you've got this really gritty world, and then you've got this really comic book style of dialogue, which I think can work in a comic book. You can have those two things. I'm not sure how well it works on TV. So yeah, you've got this really over the top dialogue, and it's not natural speech. And then you've got actors who are. You can't sell it. I, a lot of the times I don't think they can sell it. What about the like how much does the direction come into this, what they've been told to do or maybe a lack of direction from maybe a director who doesn't really know what yeah. he wants? Look, or- I'm not sure because there are performances in there that I feel like are performed by people who get it. They get what they're doing. We've got – what's the guy who plays Wilson Fisk? I can never say his name properly. Oh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. That's it. We've got Rosario, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson who nails it. Yep. We've got – Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Who went in uh, paired with someone else who's really good. Knocks out of the park. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it's Karen and Foggy. Yeah. That those two actors are not able to bring truth to mm. sometimes silly lines or over the top lines. It doesn't feel truthful. Whereas the others seem to be able to do that a little bit better or much better depending on, depending yeah. on who you're talking about. Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're probably right. I think it's if it's not the actors, at least those characters are the weak links for me. It's just yeah. I had a really hard time giving a shit about them. Mm-hmm. A lot of just and they should be the heart. Those the trio should be the well, heart. That's of it. what they're trying to do, and maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe, maybe that was the mistake. Was to mm. try, especially over thirteen episodes. Maybe you cut a. Few, this is Orange and New Black all over again. Cut a few episodes <laughs> out. Worry less about the family drama of them mm. being this beautiful family unit and then all be not distrusting each other and yeah. then don't maybe don't do that. Maybe it's too early for maybe that's it. A, a Karen character to come in to disrupt that friendship. Maybe Foggy just needs to be someone on the side in Matt's life who's important but completely disconnected. Oh, yeah, he always is going to need his like law part, like that well, other yeah, side. Yeah, that's of what him. I mean, but he's not like investigating the same thing that's parallel running with what Daredevil is doing. Like, I, I feel like you can have a foggy and, like, some sort – like, comedic relief is important yeah. in something like this. And actually, you know what? I think when it's Matt and Foggy, I think when it's those two, I don't mind it so much. I think it's okay. I think there's a balance there that's going on. I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I think it should be much better. I, I 
I think you. I think you're right. I, you know, actually, I really like it when they're playing lawyer, when it's the two of them in a room with uh, their client. I like their little dynamic. I think that kind of works for me. I don't. I don't believe Foggy is a lawyer. You just don't believe him as a lawyer. No. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I disagree. I'm going, okay. I'm going to respectfully disagree. I think he while get out he's of my house. Dorky, get out. <laughs> while he is a total dork. Mm. I think he's, it's more of a nerdiness that I would believe. Um, bit of a dropkick nerd. See, I don't believe his nerdiness. Is he trying for two things? Is, it, is there too many things going with Foggy? They're trying to make him smart and somehow charismatic, but also a massive dork and also Yeah, funny. I don't think he's nerdy. Yeah, they sort of really try and do it with the hair yeah. and his look. Can I just say, Yeah. public service announcement, uh-huh. unless you are a 22-year-old male model, no man... No man should have that hair. It's terrible it hair. It is awful. Deliberate though? It's not like it's not the actor's choice. I don't think it's like that in the comic or anything. I don't know what that would the be. The comic the comic interpretation, from what I understand, has changed a lot over the right. years. He has been at times really buttoned up, really like sort of um, nerdy or bookish and clerk-like and has also in more recent years turned into more of the foggy and the... Um, um, mm. This is someone who's not read the comics, from what I understand, has since become a bit more slobbish, right. a little bit more Devil May Care, though. I wouldn't mind like a nerdy foggy, I think. A more buttoned up Yeah, thing. like a, like Matt's, a Matt's Wesley too, from Buffy or something. Matt's too squeaky clean, I think, to have another one. Like, like when he's a lawyer, Matt's pretty like professional lawyer. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, think, you, I think the opposite is going to work. It's just... That character is trying to be too many things at once. Mm. You know what? You know what I think it might be. I think what? there might be a lack of characters. I wonder if they're trying to have too many. These three people play too many roles. Mm. So even in Buffy, you get one extra cat. So in Buffy, your your main ones are your Giles, your Buffy, your Willow, and your Xander, and that's where it starts and it expands from there. There's four, and maybe you're trying to do the work of four with three people. I don't know. It's like there's just an element missing. You're missing something. It's not there. Mm. Maybe it's just the writing. We should move on from this, though. We've been talking about the family I, problem. I, I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about this. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can. Can you imagine Karen and Claire in a scene together? Um, yeah, they seem like they're from like the, the stuff with Matt and Claire and the stuff with Matt and mm. basically the law firm just seems so separated. Yeah. It's not funny. Because I can't imagine how that dialogue would go. Because it feels like they're in two different shows. Because Claire feels real and gritty, like that part of Daredevil wants to be. Yeah. And Karen feels comic bookish and over the top and soap operish. Soap yeah. operatic? I don't know. Um, Did they actually have a scene together? Wasn't there a bit where Foggy and Karen go to the hospital? Um, oh, it's very brief. Very yeah. brief, though. Yeah. But there is a But it's two people having a discussion. I sure. don't even know what that would look like. Yeah, yeah, that would be awkward. That would be two di- very different worlds meeting. Mm. Anyway, for whatever reason, and while I understand what they're trying to go for there, it just doesn't work ultimately. No. Let's talk about another character who's a big player in this, Wilson Fisk. Wilson Fisk. Wilson Fisk. I just wrote a song for him. Uh, I want to let you go first. Do you have any sort of solidified, crystallized thoughts on Fisk as a character? He makes this show so much better. Right. So much better. His episode, 
You're giving me a funny look. (laughs) I, when I first watched it, I didn't understand what D'Onofrio was doing. I was like, this is weird. This is jarring. I don't understand it. And then we see this flashback episode of a diminished child um, who is finally able to break free in a burst of like fury and anger. And he has grown up to be a man who needs control at all moments. And we see his past, which informs that. And I find him fascinating and I love the performance and I love his relationship with Vanessa. I want them to be happy forever. I am rooting for Fisk and Vanessa to get married, have babies, just live a good life, you know? I'm on their side. What can I say? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What are your opinions? I disagree. <laughs> okay. I, 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 okay. It's not a flat-out disagree. I have complicated feelings on this. I like that there is a big focus on the villain. Mm-hmm. I like that we get to spend a lot of time with him, that okay. he is definitely not one-dimensional. Like the introduction of Fisk, the first time we see him, is him talking about his, I think he says loneliness or alone is what he sees when he, he sees that. lonely. Lonely. Yeah. When he sees that painting. So, there is already an element of like, we don't get introduced to him cracking skulls, you know what I mean? Yeah. We get introduced to him talking about his feelings about art. That's a cool place to start with a villain. Mm-hmm. We get to spend a lot of time with him. We get to learn a lot about his history and his relationship with his parents and how that's helped to shape him to the person he is and what is important to him and all those sorts of things. And that's a really important difference, again, from the 
Marvel Cinematic Cinematic Universe, where which I think is a big problem for them. Is very villains. often if there's yeah. one criticism you can lay on that series is that too often the villains aren't well enough sort of played. They're out. one well, note. They're like there yeah. are exceptions. I think Loki is a good exception. I think um, is I he not the one exception. No, I I quite like Ego and Guys of the Galaxy too personally. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, what? I know. I'm such a betrayer. You're... The betrayer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. I've heard, and this has mm. only just come out today, the day of recording, that Michael Keaton's Vulture is quite good in um, Spider-Man as well. I think the character is called Birdman. I think you got that right. <laughs> that is so weird, though. He's played Batman, Birdman, and the Vulture. Like, come on, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Although it's it's kind of... No, Michael Keaton is probably very self-aware. My favorite um, Michael Keaton performance was in Multiplicity. Check it out. <laughs> I've watched that when I was very little with my parents. I was obsessed with that film. Anyway. Um, yeah. the That's a big problem they've had. There are far too many forgettable villains. And that you know what? That's never worried me that much. It's like it's always one of those things they can fix, I think. But most of the time, the villain is there to serve as the resistance or the antagonistic force against the protagonist because they've got a better story to tell about our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, especially in a two-hour film. It's great, though, that we're able to have a more interesting, dynamic, complex... Let's explore it. ...layered villain and actually ex- spend some time with him in this show. Can I, I just love say, that. a little bit off topic, but also not, the best Marvel villain in the MCU plus TV... Is going to be David whatever. Tennant in... Um, it's Kilgrave right. in Jessica Jones. Yeah, I keep Amazing! hearing Amazing! So good. That's next week. So good. I know. I'm so, I just want to talk about it now, but anyway, go on. In go the on. meantime, <laughs> while I appreciate that... And Fisk definitely isn't undercooked like villains in the MCU. I am not sure how much I think he works ultimately, both on a writing and performance level. Performance, you're wrong. No, I don't think I am. I think think it would be if he was a little more consistent with just with his way of speaking. It In really what way? frustrates I need, me. I need examples. Okay, so, so he does the, he does this thing where he puts on his gruff voice. Mm-hmm. He's got a really deliberate gruff yeah. voice. I will kill him. Yeah. yeah. It it unfortunately reminds me sometimes far too much of his uh, performance M-I-B? In, in black. <laughs> it's so Edgar. It's not his fault that he's is the same human. No, it is because we know he's better than that. We know he's been I can't remember the character's name in Law and Order, Criminal Minds. We know he's a great actor. But I think like in that he's channeling the same kind of thing, which is this monstrous, uncontrollable, he's not in control of his physicality and it changes him. It changes his voice. I, yeah, No, I don't agree with you. I, I found it really, really off-putting. Like I, think it's, I like we couldn't s- keep taking him seriously. We see these moments in which he is still and silent and as calm as someone like Wilson Fisk can be, you know, when he's with Vanessa or when he's having a conversation who with someone who he has mutual respect with. And then we see the other side of that, which is this completely destructive, negative monster force. Like Matt Murdock talks about the devil within mm-hmm. and Wilson Fisk like it appears before your eyes mm-hmm. when he's like, "Oh, here, here it comes! Here comes the monster!" And I, I like that. I, I don't think, think that the that delineation is there, though. I think there are too many scenes where he's being 
the version of him without the devil in him that he's still making that dumb voice. And it's distracting as all get out. I I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't. It just keeps... It's so... When, like, when like it- I think it's deliberate, but I don't think it's a good choice is my problem. Like, I understand, again, it's this thing where I'm like, I see what you're going for. I see what you're doing mm. here. It just comes off as like pantomime I need specific examples of when like he's doing it and it's not fitting when he's do- When he first comes out to the public, right? And mm. he's, he's still doing his... I will make being, this city. He's being commanding. He's being what he thinks. He does it when he's just talking to a- Vanessa. Sometimes he does it. It's and it's like even in a nah. scene, even nah, in mate. a sentence, nah. he will go between them. In a sentence, he'll he'll actually just use his voice for a second and then remember that he's going to turn his gruffness on. I'm like, nah, gross. I don't. Nah. It. I like the dichotomy so the of like way. the gentleness. It, of the child uh, and the gruffness of the man he's become. I, no, I like it. It also, for me, does not sit like it is so removed from the reality that's around him when you've got Vanessa or you've got Wesley or you've got all these other people. You don't think he and Wesley make perfect sense? I fucking love Wesley. Yeah, he's Wesley's great. Wesley's we all love Wesley, Possibly <laughs> the best character in the show. Which is weird because like when... The first episode started because I already had like negative feelings about the show because I knew I didn't like it previously. Yeah. And then Wesley came on and I couldn't remember exactly what kind of where he exactly sat Mm. in the hierarchy of the bad dudes. And when he was on, I'm like, oh, I don't like this guy. And then as the show progressed, I'm like, oh, that's right. You're Wesley and you're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love Wesley. Isn't it weird that there's like more of a family vibe on the baddie side than the good guy side? We've got Vanessa with Fisk. We've got Fisk with Wesley. You're and we've got 100% Wesley right. and Vanessa looking after each other. It's like, I've oh, it's never only- thought about that. But you, as much as I also think the the Fisk and Vanessa stuff is extremely shallow, the um, I understand again. I understand what it means to him, mm. but I don't. Vanessa, I don't believe Vanessa. Vanessa may as well be like, you know, in like the Superman films, like the Lex Luthor, he's got always got his like, I can't remember her name, but she's she's just this woman that's always there that just like happens to love this fucking supervillain for some reason. For no reason, she puts up with his bullshit. I, she, I think- it's aging towards that for me. It's not that bad, but it's on its way. But, I think you're going a little far there, but yeah, okay. But I agree <laughs> with you that as like a- Three-person family unit. It feels like they care about each other. I totally agree with that. Way more believable for some reason. (laughs) Isn't that weird? It's so strange. Mm. That didn't occur to me until you just mentioned that, but that is true. Like, that is actually way more compelling. Just even just Fisk and Wesley is so much more compelling (laughs) than Matt and Foggy. Oh, that's sad. That's really upsetting. Because I feel like you can see how they rely on each other. Yeah, totally. Whereas I don't see that with Matt and Foggy. Yeah, I get that they you've sh- literally shown us their history, but I don't feel like they need each other. They don't rely on each other in that same way. We never see why Matt needs Foggy. No, never, 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 never. We need. We can see why Foggy needs Matt to get girls. I guess that's one reason. It's but just to be is that someone, not Foggy's whole just to be better than he is thing? like. The yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. got low self esteem and wants women to like him. Apparently, is the thing. But um, but you're right. It just never reciprocates the other way. No. Um. Anyway, I uh, I respect your opinion on Fisk as well. 
again, I'm happy that he is a more interesting villain. I thought I was enjoying D'Onofrio's performance for a while. I remember it being talked about a lot. Mm. I just think it I just have pushes s- itself into cartoon yeah, a little okay. too frequently for me. Especially I mean, in a show that's trying to be gritty and have people that brain yeah. themselves. Like, it's talking about the vi- consequence of violence. It's the same problem. In some ways, yeah. it's the same problem that we have with the family dynamic mixing with the ultra gritty. And, the, like, it just, it's too many different elements trying to exist together and never having any sort of subtlety to it. I can see what you're saying. Um, and I, th- but you're wrong. <laughs> but you're completely wrong. So stop the podcast now. Um, you know, I get it because those extremes, the, the gruffness of the voice. It, it, I, I get what you mean when you say cartoonish. Yeah. Totally. However, and I think I had like, not quite as extreme, but slightly a similar reaction the first time I watched it. Okay. Um, but then the more I got to know Fisk, I grew an affection for him. And then on the second time watching, because I knew already that I would grow to have an affection for Fisk, I started off at that point. And so I had a huge amount of sympathy and understanding for him that I might not have had before. And so from like the get go, I was like, I like this character. I know I like this character. It's funny because my I started out quite liking him. And then you grew to dislike him. And then grew him. to dislike him as the, as it went along. So strange. And not because he was I like one of the him. few things like getting me through, you know? Like cause I did not like the relationships between Matt and his friends. Um, the the one like the bright spots were Claire. The bright spots were Fisk, uh, Wesley. We- Wesley was getting me through for a yeah. long time. When he got killed, I was really upset. I enjoyed the command and love that Vanessa had for Fisk, and I know you don't agree with. Oh, I, I like it in principle. I even like mm. the her performance oh, of it in a lot of ways. Is great. I just think it just. I think if uh, that character was played by another actress, I wouldn't like it. So I think there's something there. There's something to what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with it. But I think the performance is fantastic. We just don't get she, to know Vanessa exactly, outside of her time with Fisk. That's exactly true. So like her performance in those moments when they're together sells it for me. But no, I, I think there is a there is yeah. a real lack of character development there. I agree with that. Yeah, that's the problem. She just starts out as yeah, yeah. We don't never get to see Vanessa by herself doing her own thing, being somebody apart from. Yeah, no. So yeah, it doesn't it's close. It's close. I it appreciate close, the yeah. effort. I, I admire what it's going for. I kind of admired D'Onofrio's performance. Mm. Just don't know. I feel like he's in the wrong show. It's so melodramatic. And this it's it the show isn't always melodramatic. Again, it's trying to be gritty. It's not trying to be. Mm, it's, it's point sh- of it's yeah. point of difference from the MCU is to be grounded and gritty and dark compared I, to the rest I, of it. I, I, I don't know if I feel that Ronan way about Fisk though. Destroyer. I don't oh. feel that way about Fisk. Yeah, I, I really don't. I think, and maybe it's because I've re- like I've read a couple of articles recently about how there's a theory that Fisk is. On the autism spectrum, and his That's an interesting idea. His connections with people is disjointed, and his need for routine. I mean, quite a couple of like quite a few times we see him with his 
outfits and needing the same cufflinks and he sure. makes the same breakfast every morning and the, his way of communicating with people is really stilted and he doesn't sometimes he doesn't quite understand where people are coming from. Um, so maybe that's <laughs> helped my understanding of the character in front of me. But I, I've, I, I don't see him as melodramatic that in a way that is distracting or wrong for the show. That, that's a great theory. But if you, that's actually a play you want to go for, because that's a really important, sensitive, real life consequences to having a character like that, you need to explore that properly. I it can't but be. I don't, it can't be under this. It can't be underneath. It can't. It, you. I think the they, people sh- are going they to read show that. his limitations though with the with his interactions with Vanessa. I think you clearly see his limitations with being able to connect with people and there are quite a few scenes in which we see him his need for order we like we see it do you need him to be like i'm autistic like, no 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 no. It, it, or no, that i don't not. understand that's, people that's take, that's, a, that's a straw man argument like you're taking that to the nth degree to say that that i need it to be stated so clearly but but you but don't the problem see is that to make your villain co- autistic is to say but even if is, he's he's not autistic it's Clear, I think, sure. in the scenes with Vanessa, that he has problems with people. He oh, has yeah. problems his, his connecting. Wanting to, his need to control is absolutely there. Mm. I'm, I'm never. It's again. It's not necessarily the character as it's written or the ideas behind mm. the character. It more came down to, realistically, it came mostly down to the performance. I just thought it was ham-fisted at times. Oh, I don't agree. <laughs> I really don't agree. That at all. voice is so distracting. It's so bad. It's not No, it's intimidating not. or anything except goofy to me and cartoony and like the sort of performance you would see of Kingpin in like a Spider-Man cartoon. Like that's the style of performance it is to me when he does that no. gruff voice. It's so overdone. See, when he, I can see the anger like vibrating in his body and he gets that voice. I actually find like, oh shit, like something's about to happen. It's, it was too frequent then. It was. It scares too, me a It was there bit. too often then. I don't agree. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. I that's really good. Sure. I'm glad. We don't have too many times where we disagree on things. <laughs> that's so. true. That's very true. I, did you think I was going to... Where did you think I was going to fall on this show? I'm really interested to know. Because you were very, you were highly anticipating talking about this with me. I was worried that you thought it was fantastic. And oh, that, really? Yeah, I was really worried because I did not feel that way about it. No, this is the opposite. I think yeah. I'm liking it less than you. <laughs> I think there are parts, and I, I, I do want to acknowledge that this is the second time I've watched it. Yeah. So, our experiences are slightly different. Um, I think I liked it less the first time I watched it. Truly, I do. Like, So, this, second time around was better for you? I think so. I think I was less judgmental about it, yeah, okay. this time. Um, we should probably start speeding this up. We've been going for nearly an hour and a half already. But there's a few things, <laughs> oh, there's a few things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, just the plot in general. We've talked about the characters a lot. We've talked about the action and execution and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. The plot, as it plays out, as you explained it, is... I think pretty bleh. It is the most stereotypical organized crime. Mm -hmm. Stereotypical in several senses. In the first episode, we see the baddies 
meet in an abandoned construction site. It was a scene directly... Talking re- ominously. It del- was just like, oh, I've seen this 500 times before. Cool. Yeah. There, there's not just that. There's the... I think in the opening episode is the one where Matt goes to the docks and like... The docks, yeah. The docks and, you know, because mm. that's where all organized crime happens. And, Sex slavery. And mm. saves the human trafficking... Yeah. Human trafficked girls and has... Like, literally, it's directly out of Batman Begins. Like, yeah. it's the exact same scene from when Batman come out first appeared. pre-Nolan's Batman. Yeah. Revolutionary. It he hasn't. has a voice. He even does the voice sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. He's really inconsistent with it. But sometimes he does, like, a where is he kind of voice going on. I am Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Although he never says that because that, no. he, uh, he gets that at the end. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Um... But it's just like the when I say stereotypical, like that is on so many levels. Oh yeah, it's not just totally. the plan or the like, like the whole like mob. There are a bunch of real estate moguls. It's and literally the drug superhero by numbers. It go, absolutely, go is beyond that. that. When I say stereotypical, I mean they're using stereotypes, as in racial fucking stereotypes. Oh, what are you talking about exactly? Well, we're talking about the mobs, right? So we've got the yakuza, we've got the Chinese, uh, we've got the Russians. Mm. We only ones are miss- missing are the Italians, and that's because they're apparently uh, got taken out before the show started. They yeah. talked about. Um, I can't remember the name of the mob boss guy, but he's the one that was also mm. um, Fisk's dad was involved with. That like it's it's so so revoltingly stereotypical. It almost feels like an eighties or nineties thing with those kind of yeah bad guys. Um, I guess the only way those writers could have modernized it was a couple of Muslim terrorists in there. Like, oh, cool. Very topical, dude. Yeah. But, like, it feels like they were on that level. It's like, so who's the bad guys of this decade? All right, these ones, these ones, these ones. Like, it was yeah. just, yeah, it was, yeah, paint by numbers. Totally. And it just is, it never gets anywhere interesting. This constant, like, butting the head against the wall because they can't get anyone. Hey, okay, so what happens here? First, no one will say Fisk's name. Then fucking everyone says Fisk's, Fisk's Fisk? name. Who's Fisk? What Fisk? Everyone, Fisk? everyone knows Fisk yeah. after that. Every single cop in town, every single anybody that could be part of it has been brought out by Fisk, basically. Yeah. Um, that just specifically Hell's Kitchen. No, though. just specifically <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. There's no evidence of... Like... The whole thing about... I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner with this whole, like, there's no way we can catch this guy with the law, but we need to do it by the law. But we also need to make sure that actually fight he actually physically fights Kingpin at the end. One of my major <laughs> frustrations is we've got two parallel stories mm. kind of going at, like, different speeds. Yeah. We have everyone's after Fisk. But in different ways. But one way is way slower and way less effective. And the other is like steamrolling ahead. It's like... Which is the one that's steamrolling ahead? Is that the Daredevil version? Yeah. Yeah. But he also has put a stop to himself actually being effective by saying, well, I'm not going to kill the guy though. I couldn't possibly. Couldn't possibly. Mm. He is because blowing God, people up. And yeah. like, like the first, first two episodes, human trafficking involving women and then eventually a child that they mm. steal. Um, sorry... At some point, you got to go, yeah, yeah. That is one of the- You should probably- It's a big issue I've had with a lot of similar storylines that I've seen like in comic books or just fantasy or sci-fi, whatever it might be, is this whole, 
I couldn't kill people. It's wrong. Like, well, no, actually, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Like, if you're trafficking children or just doing sex trafficking, sorry, either I kill you or more people suffer. That's I'm thing, probably going to fucking kill cops you. Cops would do that, right? And if you're already going so far as to be a vigilante who physically assaults people, yeah. like a cop who, who is going to shoot a person who is going to physically harm somebody else. Mm-hmm. They are trafficking human beings. They are blowing people up. (laughs) That that argument just doesn't hold any water for me. What they go for instead is his whole Catholicism Catholicism. angle, which is very much a part of Daredevil. Of course it is. I'm pretty sure it was a big part of the movie, so I assume it's part of the comic books as well. Yes, it is. It's a huge part. The Catholic guilt is pretty much what creates Daredevil. It's like who he is. And... The devil inside him and trying to balance those two things and fight a righteous fight but also using a kind of darker side and the way that it affects people around him adds to that Catholic guilt. Like that's, that is a huge part of the comic character from my understanding yeah, as, an right. a, as an outsider. But as someone who doesn't believe in anything, God, I find it boring and – God with a lowercase j. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it boring and I find it nonsensical and I find it incredibly childish and so black and white that it's no longer interesting to me. Yeah. I I 100% agree. It just just at some stage becomes unjustifiable Mm -hmm. to keep putting this limitation on him. It's silly. This man and these people are killing people. They are harming people in such dire ways that they they need to be stopped. They have like time and time again multiple they have multiple proven themselves proof of murder to think profit or power is more important than people. I'm sorry, but fuck him, they need to be taken yeah, care of. This isn't like if it was just the whole thing that were like I want property. Whatever. And bullying them out, like yeah, doing those slimy tactics, like even showing a little bit of aggression to like threaten these people, yeah. but never actually hurting or killing yeah. people. That's a, one yeah. thing. Break a couple of arms, do what you need to do, whatever. Sure. But straight out murdering people, I'm sorry. Or like kidnapping people to sell them into the slavery trade, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to put a little period in that sentence and just murder you. <laughs> I'm like, how can you possibly justify letting like, that letting person that continue, continue doing what they're doing. It doesn't make any sense. We have to do it by the law. Do we? Do we? Is that worth... It, is that worth... You know this guy has got the entire fucking city in his pocket. Is that really the solution you're going to go for here? Does that? Do you trust the law that again, much? How can you trust the law at this the stage? The fact that he is able to buy judges, senators, policemen proves that the system... Is, is broken exactly. and completely broken. So why would you continue How trying you like, to do that? Oh system? no, I trust it. I was like, oh, but I've already told you that the guy who's like telling you what the rules are is cheating and just making them up. He's like, no, no, no I, I just trust the rules of the game. I'm like, no, but the rules of the you're game playing, don't make sense. You're playing um, the wrong game. You can't win. No, 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 but I'm playing by the rules. Like it, it's just silly. Yeah. It's so childish. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Um, I also just want to bring up, although we have a little bit earlier, the just Netflix, please, just trust. <laughs> That maybe shows don't need to be thirteen episode, thirteen hour long episodes long. 
They just don't. This show just didn't need to be that long. There wasn't enough story to tell. There really wasn't. Totally. No, I completely agree. It was... Just kept getting padded out. It's so excessive. And I feel bad for the creators trying to be like, what what are we going to put in here? It's so much time. Mm. It's like 11, almost 12 hours of time. What the fuck are we going to write? Like, you have a clean arc. Oh, God. An hour each episode. An hour is too long. It's too long. And then 13 of them is just completely excessive. Silliness. Yeah. Um, But I'm hoping they're learning because Glow. Back to Glow, yeah. um, (laughs) Just because I want to fucking praise the shit out of that show. Mm -hmm. I'm not even finished it, but I'm loving it. Um, 10 episodes at 30 minutes each on average. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So good. Doesn't anything else. So good. Orange is the New Black should take that format as of next season. Mm Mm-hmm. They won't, but they mm-hmm, won't, but they, they should. should. <laughs> All right, my conspiracy theory. You ready? Oh yes. Uh, uh, actually, I want to say that if you've got, have you got anything else specifically you want to talk about main talking points before I move on to this? I wanted to talk to you about the stick storyline, mm-hmm. the background of Matt. What sure. did you think about that? Um, that's tricky because knowing that going in, I had pre. I, like oh, you, expect- already, you already knew that. Story. Oh, I knew. I knew. I mean, again, it's like right. I knew the connections between Daredevil and Teenage Mutant Turtles and stuff, and I understood that Stick, yeah, was the his in- mentor and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, um, there's. I even know bits about things that I haven't made to the show yet that will make it in. Probably make it in in future seasons and stuff like that. Just because okay. there's enough mythology around Daredevil and like they sort of hint at things like the hand and stuff yes. in this season, yes. but never get there really. So I know enough that it, it that might come out in Iron Fist. I'm not sure I haven't watched it yet. But oh, really? There you go. Like, um, and yeah, that Gao and stuff, like other things that exist. Yeah, they they, they, they do explicitly. nod towards an expanded universe, mm. and I think even like some of the characters that are bit players are versions of characters from like the Owlery, whatever his name is, uh, the uh, the finance guy. Alry or whatever his name oh, is. Something like that, yeah. He is the owl. I yeah. did not know this before I did the research. I wonder research, if he's going to come back or if they've actually just killed him. I, yeah. That's actually apparently a bit of a conspiracy theory about whether right. he'll he'll be dead or not. But like these are probably characters from Daredevil's thing. Mm-hmm. So, but the stick stuff in particular, it's too ingrained into the... Daredevil's not like A-list Marvel, but I knew enough to know who stick was, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you're angling for here. Did, like, did you like it as an explanation of his past? Did you like the way it was done? Um, I I guess I've kind of accepted it because I knew it was coming. I guess it was right. just like it's it's as much as like asking me if I accept the explanation that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got ooze and that the rat master mm. trained them to be ninjas. I sort of just, that is the premise for me. What's interesting is that we get that information in the middle of the season rather than the beginning of the season. Mm. Like it doesn't happen in chron- chronological order. Um, it None of it was a surprise to me. I expected it. It was going to come up. Yeah. I personally am fine with it. Right. Okay. I think my issue was with it was that to like when we see the flashbacks of Matt, young Matt and Steve, dick and he's trying to teach him all of these things and then he gives him a bracelet and then he leaves and that was meant to be a big emotional moment that has clearly affected Matt that he's been abandoned not only by one father but two father figures um that felt really basic to me that stick would be like 
you gave me a bracelet. I'm out of here. Like I was like, what, what is this? And then I, as I was doing research about the show for the podcast, I read about a more common backstory about stick and Matt and why he left. I was like, Oh, that makes sense to me in which it was Matt discovers who, and I'm sorry if I'm brutalizing this for any comic book fan, I I do apologize, but this is the basic rundown of what I've understood is that, Matt finds out who killed his father um, and in a hunt is like kind of mobsters, you know, uh, mm-hmm. gambling, that kind of thing. Um, and he, he, on a hunt to find these people, he accidentally gets someone killed um, because of his actions, because of what Stick has taught him. Right. He's channeled all that into the idea of revenge for his father. Yep. Um, and so he accidentally murders someone and Stick is like, I'm leaving you because your motivation is revenge and that has nothing to do with what I'm teaching you. So I'm outie. Right. So I was like, I found like, oh, okay. That that makes sense because Matt is, and that also makes sense when Stick is like, you know, you can't have people around you because obviously if something happens to those people, once again, you'll be motivated by revenge and that's not why I taught you these things. That's not what we do. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's that's way more interesting than like a little boy giving you a bracelet and you'd be like, "Oh, that's weird. I'm going. See ya." Well, I, I think that's oversimplifying it, though. It wasn't that it was weird. It was that it, it was, was. Is that is that he? he I'm not over, oversimplifying it. The, the show, show is oversimplifying. O- it. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, that what you described is a much more compelling reason. Mm. Um, but what they were going for, I think, there is the idea that. He needs Matt to not be emotionally attached to anyone, including Stick. Mm-hmm. And so when he is obviously going to succumb to those sorts of emotions, he's like, well, we should end this now because you are not going to fit this role. It felt so cheesy and sappy. Right. And once again, oversimplified. I was like, oh, that's crap. That's really bad. So I was okay with it at the time, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean, you give me a much superior version of that. And obviously mm-hmm. the version in the TV show comes up second best. It felt really cheap and like really quick for me. I was like, wait, what? Am well, I, I, only- I meant I meant to be invested in this guy and I meant to feel angry on behalf of Matt for this guy leaving him and him not being there emotionally. But I don't know this person. He's only been an asshole. Yeah. Like, what am I meant to be feeling? You've got two problems. And prob- so I le- was left feeling nothing. I mean, I, I, there's a certain amount of affection that comes from Stick, even though he's an asshole, that he was able to help Matt to become superhuman essentially there's something about that 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 you know he has Doesn't, value there i no sorry but, but <laughs> i don't the, have any amount of affection for that character the the problem well i was going to say the, the two problems they have mm. here are one is in the um execution which is just plainly they only give stick one episode yeah like they give it they give stick that in one episode to have give all me some of that happen of him and then have the episode where he's there and you're like oh my god yeah. sticks back yeah totally that would have been something mm. two what i think they were trying to do and was a fool's errand mm. is by having this whole the bracelet thing is essentially the shortcut and an oversimplified version agreed of Matt being a person who is going to connect with people and mm. we need to the show wants us to believe that his connection to Foggy and Karen is like important but the problem is mm. I don't think they're important yeah. because yeah totally right? I mean so like if, if you're going to make that his folly well and then have this whole thing about how he's like I was told by a stick I have to push people away because otherwise you know mm. if I'm going to do what I need to do it's like 
Yeah, except I don't care that yeah. you're pushing them away. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would have loved it if you know, learning all the things he learned was about like, it's not about fighting because you're fighting for someone. It's because you're fighting for something. Whereas Matt is always fighting for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you saw that conflict between Stick's philosophy and his truly then that would be interesting to me. But I, I never really understood what they were going for there. So again, it's it's almost it's almost like other than the most like sappy kind of interpretation of it, which is what I took. I was like, oh I don't like that at all. It kinda ends up maybe being a bit greedy. Like they're trying to the the way the episode ends is they're setting up there is going to be future stuff with stick. I mean there is I more hope going on so. There. If they delve into it, I'm very interested. But in this season alone it just didn't do it for me. Right. And I think the yeah, having him actually be there physically there to confront Matt and to have that just be that one episode mm. is, yeah, you underplay what that should mean. If you had, like you said, maybe shown the flashbacks, not all of it, not shown why they left, just showed, you know, Matt is explaining to Foggy or, you know, Claire or whoever about how he came to be Daredevil. Mm. Um, we understand that Stick was a part of that. Maybe even not show him completely, but understand that he's a big part of it and it's it means something to him. But then he left mysteriously and it's plagued him ever since. Then when you said, if he shows up, because he's going to have a bigger role later, you would think, yeah. let that happen then. behind it. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Patience. I understand you You want to, you know, suck us in and show us Stick and it's exciting that Stick's mm-hmm. going to be in the show, but one episode wasn't enough to make him worthwhile. No. Save him. And do it properly. Yeah. And then give yourself time to really explore those things. But instead, they jump the gun. Yeah, agreed. For the yeah. sake of... I think that, yeah. It didn't... I think the episode's got good bits. I think you're right that it, that whole thing is oversimplified. I don't hate it, but you, yeah, it's definitely not as good as it could have been. Mm. Matt's motivation to become a vigilante, which is... He kind of puts it down to that moment of hearing a young girl cry about her father coming into the room and like that was that was it for him he's like i i cannot abide this and then dons the mask how like did you how did you feel about him his his motivation for doing what he does um matt murdoch is an insane person (laughs) he's He's unwell. He, um, he, he is. He's he. He's a real commentary on the degradation of the mental health um, facilities available in New York. So that's that in my feelings. It always comes down to healthcare affordability. Healthcare really. in America. <laughs> always, <laughs> always. It always spirals mm-hmm. back to that. Um, yeah, it's again, it's serviceable but not interesting. And maybe that's yeah. another problem with... I agree with that. It's yeah. another problem with it works, this show. It works, but so what? It works because yeah. it's always worked. It's worked since the, what did I say, the 60s when he first showed up, mm. whatever it was. That was serviceable then. We just were happy for Daredevil to be that. It's the same storyline, you know, that Superman even, has. Like, he can hear people crying. He's got the power then, to do it, it so was, he does. It was more of... And, and with Batman, Batman's a very similar tale in which it's about... The personal side of, of like my father was destroyed by the criminal element in my community, and well, that's therefore the, that's the I'm connection motivated. that's missing, right? That's yes. the connection that's missing in this is that we don't see him go after the people that murdered his father. We mm. never see 
that moment. It sounds like maybe that could come up later. Maybe. I mean, it's but certainly right now, a part of the comics in the past. Yeah. Is, like that has been a serious motivation for him um, and has, you know, influenced a lot of his choices mm. as an adult. But, I mean, uh, from what I understand, he's he does have a lot, a lot of anger about what happened to his dad. Because mm. um, his dad, I'm not sure if this was the original, but certainly one iteration, his dad was actually an, an enforcer for the mob. Like he would go and right. do it. Like he was like a, a bigger dude and yeah. did what he needed to do. He and that, he, he was a bit murky there. And um, that dark side of the world um, ultimately was his downfall. And so that's where Matt Murdock's anger about that stems from. But without that, without like we like we see his dad die, but we I don't feel like we ever get the connection that he's angry about that and that he that's why he wants justice for yeah, everyone. Yeah, no, it's definitely not there. And I feel like it should be. I really, yeah, it, that that part's missing for me. Yeah, you're right. It's, the show is just more preoccupied in telling this lame ass two bit crime mob story. And trying to convince me that these three are the new Scooby gang, mm-hmm. that it... I mean, I mean, he could have all that stuff with Claire. But Claire... Yeah. Rosario Dawson is in like four episodes or something like that. She's barely in it. The Night Nurse, yeah. which is a recurring character in the She's an amalgamation Marvel. of two characters, apparently. It's the Night oh, Nurse really? and, a, and a, another one. She, there actually Ooh. is a Claire that's like a Luke Cage um, love interest. Like she's in Luke Cage. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I, I, was, I was aware of that. The... Um, yeah... Which I just, she's there, she's there, and she has this like she her stuff with Matt when it's there is great, and mm-hmm. that would be a perfect opportunity to explore some of this stuff to have someone who can confide in him and like you know she's helping to him to heal and maybe she can do that not just for his external wounds but his inter- internal yeah. conflict as well. But it, they give up on that pretty early. Yeah, <laughs> it's unfortunate. Which is really what's worse about it is that she's introduced in episode two and is fucking pivotal. It seems. Yeah. And then episode three, she's sort of she's there, and then Ben gets introduced, and it becomes more about again that two bit crime story. Mm. Ben Urich is an important character as well. He's from the Daredevil comics too. Yeah. He was in the Daredevil movie as well, and um, we haven't spoken about Ben once. No, we or haven't. Barely, and it's just because I. How do you feel about the fridging of Ben and? Miss, what's her name? The the old the lady. landlord. No, the old la- the old lady. Oh, sorry, the the lady that they're trying to help, yeah. the one that's like getting pushed yeah. out of her house. How do I feel about the fridging of them? Excluding Claire, the two characters of color. Oh, fridged. Even think about that. Totally fridged in this show. Yeah, good point. Keep the whiteys alive. Let's have some black victims and just feel a that's a huge really good idea. Anger about ben, it. Ben's one. I think it's. I can't remember her name now. Then that's part of the Ms. problem. Miss Mendoza or something. Miss Mendoza, whatever it is. I she's she's blatantly fat. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm just like an innocent old lady. Yeah. Oh, please help me. Oh no, I've been murdered. Yeah. Ben's one. Um, I think as far as I'm aware, Ben has not died in the comic books. From what I can tell, his history is he's still around for quite a long time. Right. Um, so it's a pretty bold choice actually to kill him in a lot of ways. Mm. It's interesting that they've made him black, which I don't think he ever was in the comic books, and then decide to kill him then. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, interesting choice. <laughs> um, yeah, it didn't occur to me. That is uh, 
worrying. Would you have rathered he was a white man that got killed? Or are you happy to see some black representation, like change the ethnicity of character for the sake of some diversity in this otherwise? In diversity, obviously, is important. Casting people of colour in a I like, range I like of- that actor. I like yeah, what he's doing. I did just- a great job. Um, I think it's just unfortunate that the two characters that they thought were completely dispensable, disposable, dispensable, disposable, disposable, completely disposable were characters of color. Yeah. Which means, tells me that they, I feel like there's an intention there. I'm not entirely sure. But th- this is, was. this was, this reminds me of what I was trying to say. If you're, mm. the suggestion that Fisk is autistic, it's very, like, you, it's correlation and doesn't necessarily mean there's really a pattern there if you see the connection. I agree with you. It's, mm. it's, it's, um, problematic and that it yeah. should be assessed as being problematic. Yeah. Is it deliberate? Maybe not, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not problematic. Yeah. Um, and that's why you got to be careful about these things. Mm. If you're only really killing off, you know, people of color to emotionally yeah. uh, motivate our characters, our white of, characters. One of the three of the family that we spoke about earlier, if any of those three. Foggy or were, Karen could easily have Yeah, been. were of color, which. As you said, they could easily be if they can make Ben a black man. Why couldn't Karen be a black woman? Um, yeah, it, I mean, for some reason, it makes sense in their head to turn those characters into people of color and then have them die. I don't know what that means, but I find it interesting and I think it's something to note and be aware of when things like that happen. Yeah. So that's my. It's your own that. little. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, should I go on to my conspiracy theory? Oh, please do. All right. Oh, wait. Before you do. Yes. This is not a question, actually. I just wanted to say and applaud Netflix for this, and they should do this more. Is that Daredevil is a, it has audio descriptions, which means the show is available for blind viewers yeah. or people who have sight impairments, and I think that's wonderful. Right show to do it for. Yep. Well, it originally came out where that was not an option. Netflix realized that was dumb. Very dumb. um, And incredibly insensitive. So they, you know, remedied that. And I think that why isn't that available for all shows? One. And also for people who are hearing impaired, let's make captions available for all shows. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. No, I think that's a positive step, but it needs to happen more often. Definitely. All right. My little conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. It's a theory. I'm going to pose it to you as a bit of a question. Okay. For me, and I want to want your theory on this. Oh God! I think the show begins its descent in episode three. Its descent in episode three. I think I think the first two episodes are surprising. not much of a rise, but a steep hill. Apparently, <laughs> good lord! Yeah, I okay. think I think the first two episodes are <laughs> fairly strong, and like it's but it's starting out right. It's laying down foundation. So there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of groundwork being put in. Things aren't as complex as they're going to get. You're setting up your characters and those sorts of things. I think the setup feels so basic to me. I, I'm not again, not saying that it's necessarily complex. It's they, it's still fairly standard su- superhero stuff. Yeah, it's done. But I feel like even like I think they they do some things and then they pull away from. So in the second episode in particular, we've got this whole thing with Matt 
and his complex relationship with Claire as he's dealing with this. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Okay. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to talk about his dad. Yeah. No, 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 no. But that, like, I don't mind the, the general stuff that's going on with his dad in there. It's not obviously his full story, but whatever. The the stuff with Claire and the guy, the henchman that they're dealing with, and those sorts of things. I think there's a I think his relationship with the devil in him is really, really at Oh, like its when they've when they've there. got Claire, do you mean? Or No, when they've got the guy, the guy oh, that came on knocking roof, on the door and, and she's stuff. Like, Stab him in Stabbing the trigeminal yeah, nerve yeah. and stuff like that. And you know mm. Yeah, that's fucking brutal too. Um and there's, there's a, I do love him with Claire. Like I'm, I, I enjoyed those scenes. Yeah, right. And I think that's a big part of mm-hmm. that season. Yeah. Um. Of that, sorry, that episode in particular. There's lots of Claire in that episode. Um. Yeah, I'm having a hard time articulating my thoughts. For whatever reason, I think the first two episodes, on a written level, are a little bit better than the other ones. And even in the way that it's done, sort of shot and stuff is more complicated. This is, I mean, the second episode is where we have that amazing hallway scene, right? Mm-hmm. So it's as dynamic as the show's ever going to get visually, yeah. basically. And then I think episode three is where things start to go downhill. I think the writing gets aggressively bad in episode okay. three. That's where we're really getting like the Karen and Matt and <laughs> stuff okay. is starting to get really corny and awful to me. And mm-hmm. the bits that were already a bit corny, but maybe were at least a little bit, they were getting away with it a little bit better in the first two episodes, start to become... Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. They're getting away with it more. It get, yeah. It's getting away with it a little bit more in the first two episodes and it's something to build from. And then it, and then for me, episode three is really like imitating Wedding-ish. Yeah. Right? Really badly. Wedding light, yeah. Wedding light, right? So here's the thing. Drew Goddard left the show after writing episodes one and two. Mm -hmm. I think Drew Goddard and his leaving the show is a hugely detrimental aspect to this show. Yeah. Hugely detrimental. Mm -hmm. And that if he were to stick around, it might not have succumbed to some of the problems that it did. That's a bit of a Brian Fuller theoretically on Mm. Dead Like Me situation where while it wasn't perfect at the start, there was something else that was going to lead a bit more ambitious, a little bit more complex, mm. a little bit more better written, a little bit more all those things that ended up having to be t- like simplified and became more stale and more generic and more boring before yeah. he could fully dig his... I mean, it's hard to say. It's, be- it's, yeah, it's conspiracy theory. Because those first two episodes, particularly the first, are so cliche, are so by the numbers... To then say, oh, maybe he was going somewhere really interesting. I think, I think it's episode two for me is really the real cool. proof of the pudding. Like, well, well, to, that, that's your follow-up episode. What about episode two that makes you go, oh, I see something where they might be going somewhere interesting here. All that, what like you're it? saying your favorite stuff is with Claire and Matt. That mm-hmm. is the best Claire and Matt right. episode that there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they're set up for their, their yeah, meeting true. and stuff. And then after episode two, Claire gets massively pushed to the sidelines. Mm. And I get the, like, I think also that there was a big gap between episode two and three in filming. Foggy's hair gets way longer in episode oh, three. Oh, does it? Okay. Yes. Episode one, I was because I went back and watched the first two episodes, mm. but preparing, like getting my notes ready for this. And Foggy's hair is not so big. It's a bit more <laughs> slicked back and a little right. bit more kempt slightly. Just yeah. enough to make him not look like a complete douchebag. Yeah. Um, and then in the episode three, it's just like, boom, out right, here. Okay. I'm like, time has passed. Mm. Something's changed here. I don't know what it is, but this is a li- things have shifted a little bit for me. Right. Okay. I think you can just feel Drew Goddard's presence 
mm. has left the show, yeah, even okay. on a writing level. I think I just, yeah, in when you say a writing level, there are some things in season one, I'm oh, sorry, episode one and two that made me go, I mean, it's not great. Yeah. It's like the stuff with Matt's dad and the whole like, you know, I, I just want Maddie to hear people cheer for his dad as some sort of motivation for knowingly you're going to be killed and leave your son pretty much an orphan for some money. Mm, sorry, that doesn't really ring true. Does that mean perhaps he had like something to reveal in future episodes? I fucking hope so because that by itself is bullshit. It's a bullshit explanation for a dad to ever leave his blind son. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, there's no reason to do that. To win a boxing match so your son can be proud of you. I'm sorry, you're dead. What use are you? It's it's nonsense. Hmm, That's interesting. Yeah, he. I mean, pride is a big motivator for his dad, and the idea that he's like he knew that Matt was not going to be was going to be more proud of him if he won. Uh, but yeah. when he's on the phone with that bookie, he's pretty much saying, "I know I'm going to die." Oh, well, he, he's saying, "I'm going to do something stupid," but you know, he Put had all he had the a, money he had a plan in to get out Matt's there. name, and what his plan is just to run. He, I'm sorry, he knows he's going to die. Fair enough. It's it's dumb. Okay, that's that's fair. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just my Drew Goddard fanboy coming out, but I really feel like the show is misses him. I mean, I have a lot of faith in Drew Goddard, and I would have. I think I would have liked to see him go at least till the end of season one. I think the show just would have been better and see what he would have done and created. Sure, but I I just don't think we can guarantee that would it would be any better than what we have. Again, it's a theory. Yeah. All right. Um, now, normally here I would put in some sort of side notes I want to talk about. I've got an idea for a new segment. Oh, a new segment. I'm calling it Quick Fire Notes. Quick Fire Notes. I have a bunch of notes written down that are there. There's a few of them. A few of them I've already said. I'm just going to say them far, uh, together. The idea is I'm going to list them off real quick. Okay. I'm just going to go through them. And if there's any of them that you want to comment on, okay. I want you to put your hand up and I want you to like, okay. if you got something to say. I wish you had a buzzer, but okay. Yeah, that'd All be a really right. good idea. Maybe in future versions we'll do it. Right. I'm going to add it like a ticking clock Can to I this. Can just make a noise? Sure. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. Excellent. You can make a noise or say your name. Damask. <laughs> Damask. All yeah. Right. All right. I feel like I'm on a radio show. Sure, it's very exciting. Quick fire notes. I think Matt Murdock owns Batman Begins on DVD and Blu-ray. I love the excuse for Mal- the hu- He definitely does. <laughs> yeah. I love the excuse for the huge office and apartment, citywide destruction and huge bright billboard that won't affect the blind guy. Incredibly, the sign seems to be a lot dimmer as the season goes on. Which <laughs> we talked about, about that, yeah. <laughs> Dropping a fire extinguisher on someone's head from six stories up will kill a person. It's a bit silly, yes. Wow, well, I <laughs> sorry. I did have a thought about that. I'm like, just because he can like see things through senses, does that mean he's also able like to perfectly time when to drop that? That's, I don't, a, I that's don't, what they were going for. I don't I, understand he's his He's a ninja. He's a ninja. Right, it's, okay. it's a ninja thing. Right, I feel like, it's, it's, has he studied physics? I don't know. Anyway, go I don't on. I It's just he flips everywhere. <laughs> it's a bit silly that they always distinguish Hell's Kitchen from just New York or even just Manhattan. Oh, so, yeah, we talked about yep. it, yeah. <laughs> it's for it's foramen, not foramen. There's a bit where when Claire is talking about how to oh, take, and she says it's right under out. his yeah, foramen. I was like, you're not a nurse. Get the fuck it, out well, of here. Well, then again, Americans say clitoris, yeah, good which point. is weird. Good point. It's the most... Ugh, it's clitoris. Get yourself together. I heard he retired. Yeah, in pieces. Someone left that in the script. <laughs> That's episode three. This is my conspiracy theory. I heard he retired. Yeah, in pieces. pieces yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Wesley is like evil Ben Wyatt. 
Wesley is like, oh, ha, ha, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also a bit of Wesley from um, from Buffy. I love oh, that definitely. too. Oh, definitely. That is not a latte. That is a flat white. Uh, what, what, what was that? The the priest says multiple times you have a latte. He offers, to, he they have a latte. No, he's frothing the milk at the beginning. Fuck off. That is No, he's out. frothing That's the bullshit. milk. It's not in a latte glass. It's a flat white. I don't care what anyone they, says. They don't have the right mugs in the parish. There it's is. not their fault. It doesn't change the consistency of the milk I've that makes a, the coffee. I've been a You're wrong. That is not You're a latte. <laughs> it's not a latte. Never say talk tomorrow unless you want to definitely not talk tomorrow. I wish this. What? So they say there's a bit where Ben and Karen are on the phone saying, talk tomorrow? Yeah, talk tomorrow. And then one of them, I can't remember who, gets like kidnapped or something like that. Oh, okay. Like it's like you, it's like just, yeah. yeah. It's like, I I'll hope be you right don't back. Die. Yeah, Bye. basically. Oh, I think I might die. <laughs> I wish Fisk's mum was my grandmother. She was lovely. The old version of her was just so adorable. She was just a normal old woman. No, she was adorable. About? She was adorable. <laughs> All right. For a ninja, Matt sure was slow to react when the blind group started feeling around for him. <laughs> Wait, how did he escape the mob? Did you notice this? There's a st- like they start to mob him. He's like yeah. being mobbed by like fifty people, and yeah. then we cut away and cut back, and he's being chased. It's like how do you, how did he escape them? I assumed he just punched a couple of blind people in the face. <laughs> we never saw <laughs> it. Remind me to never buy light bulbs in Hell's Kitchen. They all seem to have a urine yellow tint. The <laughs> The yellow fucking mm, um, filters. Can I have the piss stain yellow light bulb, please? <laughs> That's Thank all you. they have. That's all <laughs> they have. Uh, oh, this is a line that kept showing up. You know there's this thing called, like, caller ID. You know there's this thing called the internet, uh, right? Yeah. It's like shit writing 101. Yeah, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Pe- technology makes people sarcastic as hell. That's why I added to that. Uh, that being said, check out this spy-worthy Best blind tech stuff, like the the blind, like the thing that Matt has, the oh, braille that thing. Read the yeah, so he can read the thing. That was so cool. And then like his alarm clock, that's like it is seven. I oh, love. just seeing how blind people live. I thought it was great, you. but, but the, just I love the braille thing. I thought that was the coolest. That was like James Bond esque. That was so cool. Well, I just wanted to look it up what it was because clearly it's plugged into his computer. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. It just comes I, I mean, I think I think that's fascinating. Representation is important. Matt might be blind, but apparently so is everyone else and death how can they be right up close to him with his mask on and then be right up close to him the next day next to Matt and not make the connection they're the same fucking person um bride because they can't see his nose or cheekbones it's fucking obviously. ridiculous he doesn't even change his voice half the time occasionally he does his Batman Begins thing and most of the time he's just talking well, I like think Matt the explanation Nerdle. there is because he's blind so no one suspects him it's ridiculous the thing about the bought cops, right? All these bought cops. Mm. So, in the last episode, the ones that helped Fist to escape, right? Mm-hmm. They're like SWAT team. Yeah. I, I, At some point, all these bought people, like, what's their story? These people have families, they have partners, they have lives. Once you're fucking shooting up cops, you're never going back to whatever life that was. I, I feel like they were like, for some reason, I didn't think they were SWAT SWAT guys. I thought they were like SWAT trained or special ops dudes but they were like completely private. where were they the rest of the time I don't know Uh, favourite and least favourite episode can you go first okay my favourite episode is episode 2 Cutman if nothing else that hallway sequence is spectacular Um, the highlight of the entire show as far as I'm concerned Um, and I thought the tone was as Good as the show ever got to be. All that stuff with Claire was good. There's, oh, admittedly, there's a lot of stuff with Foggy and Karen that's not brilliant in that episode. 
Um, but the, the especially the stuff with Matt and Claire is as good as the show. My, I, I, yeah, I cared about. Yeah, I really liked where they went those characters in that in that scene in that in that, that whole episode. It goes on for the whole episode basically is those two. So that's my favorite episode. What about you? Fair enough. So my favorite episode is episode eight, Shadows in the Glass, which is where we get to know more about Fisk. Fisk ultimately is the interesting part of Daredevil so far to me. And I know you don't agree, but I... Oh, no, no, I think he's interesting. I find him more compelling. I got more out of his backstory than I did Matt's backstory. I... Yeah, no, I... Finding out about his beginnings was incredibly interesting and engaging for me. So it's got to be that episode because so many other episodes just completely fell flat. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Least favorite episode. Mine is episode 13. Um, I thought it was clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, the silly endings going on. So you've got sort of this rush to like after the, all this stuff about how they'll never be able to get, they want to get Fisk legally, but they'll never be able to do it. They come up with this handy little resolution on how they do that. They get the one guy, one person finally talks. Mm-hmm. Of all the millions of people he's bought out, yeah, <laughs> he, one of them finally talks. That apparently gets everyone arrested, Fisk included. Mm-hmm. Fisk gets arrested, escapes only because he needs to have a scene where Daredevil can fight him physically. Mm. They have their fight. Daredevil wins. He's got that dorky new suit, which looks awful. <laughs> can I just say when um, Melvin's like, oh, the red part is like, it's not as good as the black part. And the entire suit is red. Yeah, I'm most like, of it's well, red. what have you been doing this whole this. time? Yeah. It was very weird. I'm like, uh, couldn't they just reverse that? Anyway, whatever. That, so, yeah, you got that. It, and that fight is seriously like Buffy-esque. It's, there's, you compare that to that fight scene in that hallway, they are on a completely different mm. level. Choreograph and intensity. Do you intensity know who directed that episode? Uh, yeah, I think it might be... Uh, it was at least written, if not directed, also by Stephen S. Knight. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm going to double check that very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is directed by Stephen S. Knight. Okay. Uh, Stephen S. Knight, I should be saying. I've been getting that wrong all episode. Stephen S. Knight, written and directed by him. So, he is ostensibly the showrunner at this point, And that was right. his episode. Ooh. Um, yeah. This is, the, and this is the guy that's been running the show since episode three. My point exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. The action is really dorky. Yeah, so then he has that moment where the guy says the most stereo... Like, he gets named by the paper as Daredevil because of the way he, like, runs away via the fire escapes. Mm. And then they have that awful, like, putting the sign on the front of the... Fucking hell, man. That is a that is a clunky ass. That it's bad. It's a bad, so bad lazy. Ending. You couldn't think of one original way to make that. It is happen? falling into so bad stereotypes from mm. shows from twenty years ago. Yeah. Bad. Cool. Your turn. Least favorite episode. I mean, so many to choose from. <laughs> um, and you're the one who likes this show. Do I? More than me, I think. I think. We'll find out when we get to our ratings next. <laughs> I think ultimately I'm going to have to go with stick. Stick. Yep. Okay. It's the least affecting for me, which mm-hmm. is weird because... Barely any of them registered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that it at least stands I, out as like you know what that episode is. Yeah, like it's- I think because I didn't understand Stick and I understand him a little bit better now doing but further doing reading. Own research, but yeah. in the show, 
I don't understand stick. I do not understand the connection. And so it has no emotional weight at all. So it's, it's a failure to me, that episode. Fair enough. Mm. Final score. Do you want me to go first? Please. I'm giving it three out of five. Cool. Good first step. Um, some great action sequences. Some good character. Uh, but ultimately, I think it falls short of being great completely. Mm. You? I was going to give it three. Mm. And as we talked, I convinced myself down to a 2.5. <laughs> right. I realized just how little goodwill I sort of have for the show. Yeah. It For me, the 2.5 puts it squarely in the middle of like atrocious and brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it, it just has the potential next season to go absolutely either way. And I've got mm. no faith it will do either. Right. I My biggest fear is it's just going to be the basically same. as average. Mm-hmm. And that would be the a pretty bad option. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just doesn't stand out. Yeah. It's nothing more than uh, apart from it being a bit violent. But that's the thing as well. Like we've got The Walking Dead and, Game of Thrones now, like violence is not enough as a selling point. It's a, a differential point from an MCU point of view mm-hmm. and beyond that, nah. Yeah. Can I just say, I understand on some level the love that this show has because if you have been a fan of Daredevil mm-hmm. for so long, seeing this come to fruition must be incredible. To see it on the screen the way you want to see it must be such an incredible feeling. And I don't want to diminish that for anyone, but as someone who is not a part of that world, Mm -hmm. as someone who just loves TV and loves good story and loves the medium of television, that's where I'm coming from. Not because I have some nostalgia for a character or because I've seen storylines before and I'm so happy to see them on TV. I'm coming completely, excuse the term, blind Mm -hmm. to this show. And it didn't emotionally get there for me. And I wanted it to. I really did. But it just didn't. And it fell short. Um, But, yeah, I don't want to diminish anyone's love of Daredevil and seeing this version of it. Yeah. No, I think that's um, definitely. I think there are like, I can think of examples of me liking things more than others just because it's familiar to me. It's something I've always wanted to see realized. We all have that thing. And that's fine. Yeah. But um, no, I think I agree 100%. It's just, it, yeah. I mean, there's so many good things about it in theory. It's the exact right person to make this sort of show about. The exact right character for MCU. MCU. I couldn't think of a better one that would fit. I think their choices in Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and the Iron Fist are good ones to follow up. It makes total sense. They they are the right Mm -hmm. characters to bring up. I Yeah, actually, the Iron Fist is one I... Is a character I have some comics from. Oh, really? I oh, see. I know nothing about like Iron Fist. the comic. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Um, so I'm really interested to see. Yeah, what no, that I, I like. just think it's great because we have this big event, which is the first Avengers film, which takes place in New York and destroys so much of it, and then we take it down a little bit into the micro, and we see uh, on uh, the ground floor the stuff we'll never see in the MCU yeah, itself. What that means for yeah. that city in this universe i think it's a very smart decision just but then you turn that into actual execution and it just fails <laughs> in this instance yes do you want to keep watching and see do you want to see season two of daredevil at this point i 
<clears throat> so I watched Daredevil. I was like, I didn't like it. This is the first time I watched it. I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't like it. Then Jessica Jones came out. I watched it. I was like, this is amazing. So at that point, I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch season two of Daredevil just to keep within the universe, keep updated. I watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe one and a half. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Ooh, that says- <laughs> not to say it doesn't get good, but I was not motivated to continue. Okay. But if Jessica Jones didn't exist, I would never have gone on to watch season two of Daredevil. Gotcha. So, like, generally no is my answer to that. What about you? I... <laughs> pretty indifferent. Like, mm. I'm, again, not motivated to watch it. Yeah. Um, I really don't want to binge it. I think that's like... If I could spread this yeah. out and watch this a couple episodes at a time, but I'm not going to have the time to do that, <laughs> yeah. I think I might... I'm more likely to enjoy it that way, but going to be watching it a week. I'm worried it's going to really try me. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really hard because if you're not totally feeling a show, it's very easy to get in a grumpy rut and you're like, I don't want to watch this show. This is <laughs> stupid. And then that's all your notes become. It's keeping me dumb. at this point. This like dumb. I'm looking forward to watching Jessica, watching, watching Jessica Jones because of how much hype it's got. I'm also a little bit like, this is the show that immediately followed Daredevil. And Can I'm- I just say, Brad? You will love it. Good, good. I'm looking Real, forward like to it. really, truly, you will love it. Yeah. And I will be shocked, and I don't think we can be friends anymore if you don't. But no, but seriously, knowing what you love, I I would be truly shocked if you didn't like it. Okay, cool. Predictions, hopes, or concerns for season two? Concerns is as we've said before, it will be either just the same, which is nothing groundbreaking. Or worse is my Worse my in what sense? What would make it worse for you? Worse that they continue not to develop character and it just becomes action-based or big bad-based. Yeah, my That's big, a worry for me. I, I, as I said before, I'm worried it'll be just the same, basically. My, mm. my worry, knowing what characters are being introduced because there are some Marvel, notable Marvel characters that come into season two. Yeah. I know of one. Yeah. Yeah. There's when there's one that's just uh, in his own right, a Marvel character that's big. He's one I remember from my childhood. Yeah. And there's another one who is a daredevil, important daredevil character Mm -hmm. um, that the show is going to get more cartoonish because those characters are pretty. They're big. They're big. Mm -hmm. They're not street level gritty. Yeah. Like the thing about Kingpin, which is really interesting about making him a villain, is that there's nothing particularly, there's nothing super about him. He's just a suave mobster who like gets. Things he's imposing done. in his, yeah. his size, but he's not actually yeah. like super strength. He's or super just powers. really a mobster, you know. Like right. he's he is the kingpin. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what he's, and that's mm. what was cool about what they tried to do with him. I I don't know how much of kingpin from the series is really kingpin from the comics i've never known i don't believe a lot which is cool that they would try that they mm. found a way to make him you know a bit more interesting um but these other two characters that are coming in are pretty larger than life yeah um and that worries me that we're gonna get more cartoonish as well and mm. that the whole thing that made daredevil a good choice for this was that it was gritty and real yeah quote unquote i mean my okay so let's talk about hopes mm-hmm. my my hope is that we are able to see a real depth in Karen to really understand her as a She's person. She's got the potential to, based off where yes. they sort of end with her. With the ending of that, I'm like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes. I hope they develop that further. I hope that they dial Foggy down a bit and we see why he is 
important to Matt. We see his value. We care about Foggy mm-hmm. as an individual. Um, so, yeah, my hopes are just like that they, they will develop character and we will begin to feel for these people. And then when things become dire again or things become dangerous again, there's some real stakes there. That That's my hope for it. I concur. All right, let's wrap this up. If you would like to contact us, you can do so on Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting Cast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. So I was doing a little dance. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MaskyMoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net or on Instagram by searching for Shawnee Boy Draws or Shawnee Boy Comics. And also thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, if you enjoyed the podcast today, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those stars go a whole long way to getting us noticed by other people. We really appreciate that. Next week, we'll be back to discuss Jessica Jones, which I am... I'm excited about it. I am. I you am. should. I'm just, you I'm, really, truly should. It's yeah, so good. It's so good. First impressions good. go a long way. And Daredevil, unfortunately, is Jessica Jones' first impression <laughs> in some ways. Um, Did but you have any I friends, though, telling you that Daredevil was amazing? No, I didn't have friends telling me Daredevil was amazing. I had a lot of people that I trust on the internet telling me how good Daredevil was. Right. And I think I do think that it's a lot of it has got to do with people who uh, like the character to some mm-hmm. degree or excited about a Marvel gritty thing. And even just the just the potential of a Netflix Marvel series yeah. and what that it's means. A very exciting concept. That was so yeah. exciting and it was super new at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was also two or three years ago now when it happened. Yeah. You know, t- funny how much <laughs> that's changed for me in just a couple of change, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so nobody I knew, but I have had multiple people and right. people who don't give a shit about Marvel mm-hmm. who love Jessica Jones. Oh, well, yeah, because Jessica Jones is, is amazing. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Fantastic. So, yes, I am looking forward to that. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.